Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. source of all things world wonder ring stardom right here on the pod mania podcasting network i'm your host rob goodwin i am joined by matt turner matt turner how the devil are you Rob, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and we're only one week into the new year and in my opinion we already have three match of the year contenders uh based on what i saw on wrestle kingdom and based on what i saw on AEW last night so we're off to a hot start for 2022 uh, if you like really good wrestling, which I know I do, and I'm pretty sure you do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I <laughs> I still wasn't 100% with, um, obviously, the effects of COVID. I still wasn't 100% on Wrestle Kingdom Night 1. And I saw, I, in the end, I missed the main event. I was just, I need to go back to bed. I'm really struggling. And then I went back and watched it, as in Okada versus uh, Shingo. And I thought it was a great match. Uh, and then I watched that night two. And to me, Night 2 blew it out of the water. I mean, the starter match, which me and you were going to be talking about in a bit, um, was tremendous. Um, Osprey, irrelevant of what you think about him as a person, in ring, he is absolutely fantastic. And him and Okada have such a fantastic chemistry. So that match was an absolute blinder. I mean, the Tanahashi-Kenta match, that high fly flow from that ladder. I read a tweet, I think it was Chris Dickinson, who said, I wouldn't have climbed that ladder to change a light bulb, it looks so rickety. Um, yeah, Tanahashi's doing high fly flows off, and I'm 100% with him, it looked horrible, but that was uh, that was also a good match. And then I heard that um, Danielson and Paige tore the house down at AEW, is that right? Yes, yeah, that was... I don't know if it was just as... It was- 
if, if I'm going to rate it, that was five stars. Uh, as far as I had people ask me this morning, oh, you know, which one do you like better, one or two? They're kind of just different batches, and they kind of, I don't want to ruin, and you know, I'm not going to ruin it for you. It was great. You know, when you see it, text me, and uh, you know, and we can talk about it later. But yeah, it was it, it was fantastic. You you have Hangman Page has had a string of awesome matches the last five six years, really since he found his footing. And in my opinion, he's had his two best matches with uh, with Danielson. You know, to the shock of no one. But yeah, it was uh, it, yeah, it, it, it was a barn burn. It was they did a lot of spots that reminded me of the uh, Danielson Nigel McGuinness stuff, like a lot of you know crazy hard hitting headbutts and kind of like the psychology of like where they were going and like how their paces were going. Like I was sitting there watching, I turned to Amber, my wife, I said, this reminds me a lot of the stuff with, uh, with him and Nigel. Mm. And uh, which, which is, I mean, that's, you know, the highest praise. I think that's Danielson's the best guy he's ever, he's ever wrestled. I think he's got on record saying, you know, if he can, if he can go back and do a WrestleMania main event and pick any wrestler, you know, he's, he's always said, I would love, love to wrestle Nigel at WrestleMania. It will be an insane match. I mean, that match, it's, is it United? The Ring of Honor show. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, there was a lot, there was a lot of them, but that's the one that everyone everyone. That's the to. one from the UK that was absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's it's one of those matches that's pretty much imprinted on wrestling history, and it it's certainly one of the best Ring of Honor um, matches in a time when Ring of Honor seemed to put on nothing but great matches. Um, however, we've <laughs> we've sort of got a little bit distracted away from where we you know, what we're actually going to be talking about today, because um, we are a stardom podcast, despite what else we talk about. Um, <laughs> loads of things to talk about today. Obviously, it's a new year for stardom, so we're going to be talking about their first show of the year, which was called Stardom Award 2021 uh, from Bell Sal. Um, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the awards that they gave out, uh, the unmasking of the Momos and their first match. We're going to be talking about um, a couple of the Corican shows that are coming up, the back-to-back Corican shows at the weekend. Um, we're going to be revealing our winners of the Stardom Cast End of Year Awards, the most prestigious Stardom Awards, obviously. And, of course, we're going to be talking about Stardom's foray onto the main card of Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 as well. Um, before we do all that, though, just a couple of bits of housekeeping. The first thing, and I know this is a self-plug and I apologize, um, but my Stardom book, uh, Living the Dream, Stardom's 10th Anniversary in Review, is now available wherever you get your ebooks. You can get a printed copy of it, uh, but you can only get that from Lulu. Otherwise, it was making me charge far too much for it. So if you want a printed copy, please go to Lulu. If you want an ebook, you can get it from Amazon for your Kindle. You can get it from Lulu where the links are in my Twitter description. They're also pinned to the top of my Twitter page. So thank you to everyone who has bought one already. The uh, response has been quite honestly phenomenal. And it's been really, really, uh, really nice. So thank you very much for that. Um, also, our Patreon is now live. We dropped our first bonus episode, the Io Shirai retrospective of her second reign with the red belt. Uh, that is to our red belt and white belt tiers on Patreon. If you want to join our Patreon, really simple. Just go to patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast. Pick the tier you want to join. There are three high-speed tiers, just $1 a month, and you get things like uh, you get to vote on polls, give us matches to review, get a shout-out on the podcast, that kind of thing. Uh, for the bonus episodes, again, white tier is $3, red belt is 5 Please come and join us, listen to us talk and wax lyrical about the history of stardom. Um, loads of good feedback 
in regards to that podcast episode, Matt. Um, I don't know what you've heard, but I thoroughly enjoyed recording that episode. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you about wrestling and stardom, and you know, just talking about that rain, just absolutely amazing. Um, it was, it was. I guess it was homework, but the fact that you know, technically, we got paid to watch one of the greatest <laughs> title reigns in the last twenty years in all of professional wrestling was was absolutely amazing. I mean, I always knew Io was one of the best women's wrestlers of this generation, but that kind of cemented that, you know, I mean, she's in the last 20 years, just watching that rain. And, and hopefully with the Patreon, we can go watch her white rain, white title rain and the, uh, the, the V10 uh, red title rain. But just uh, watching that, it's like, she, she's probably the best, probably the best w- women's wrestler in the last 20, 25 years. In my opinion, that's ba- just based off, you know, just really those 16 matches we reviewed. So yeah, uh, we appreciate all the feedback. And uh, if you're interested in listening to the review, uh, by all means, guys, you know, please uh, sign up on the Patreon. I believe it was well, well worth it. Um, just to give you an idea how I kind of came up with that idea was when I first started listening to this podcast, the Stardom Cast, I thought, boy, I would love for them and would pay them to do an episode <laughs> uh, um, on that reviewing those 60 matches of Io Shirai. So uh, I might sign up for the Patreon myself just so, just so I can get that episode, even though I recorded it. But uh, yeah, it was an absolute banger to watch, so. And uh, we appreciate any and all feedback. Yeah, and just a quick shout out, obviously, to our patrons: Joseph, uh, Joseph Usher, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Owen, Valkish Bracker, Tom, Ed BC, and Brandon Neal. Thank you so much for subscribing. We we really appreciate every single one of you, and we definitely couldn't be doing this without your support. So thank you to every single one of you. We really do appreciate it. Let's delve into a little bit of Stardom news then, Matt. So before we kick on to anything, Stardom have obviously got three big shows penciled in for 2022, the first of which is Nagoya Supreme Fight from um, the Aichi Prefectorial Gymnasium on the 29th of January. Just a little bit of ticket information. Um, They have sold out the VIP seats, they have sold out the under-25 seats, and they have sold the front of the stand seats as well. There are limited seats for females. The female seats are now at minimal, so there aren't many of those left, but it sounds like they're shifting tickets well. In terms of a um, an attendance, me and you sort of speculated last episode, Matt, what an attendance would look like in that... Um, gymnasium before covid um you're looking at round about five and a half thousand new japan and dragon gate were drawing to that after covid um so talking about 2021 just 2021 um dragon gate final gate um drew 2280 um and then new japan have averaged an attendance of about 1950 so they drew about 1500 to the new japan cup drew 2500 to the g1 climax so if if stardom can draw what 1200 maybe 1250 if they can draw 1500 that would be a massive success i would have thought man what about you yeah i mean i guess that's what i was gonna ask you what do you think would be a success so i mean let's put the benchmark around 1400 1500 and then once we you know once the show happens and we get the results then we'll then we'll hand out our flowers but yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they're doing well. I mean, they are doing really well, and a lot of that has to come off the – obviously, they built up the company, you know, the last four or five years. But what they were able to do last year and carrying into this year, and I think a lot of the tickets and a lot of the Stardom War subscriptions and the YouTube subscriptions, 
you always have to give credit to the person on top. And uh, I mean, it's a team team effort, no doubt about it. But I think a lot of this is coming off the back of Utami's over 400 day title reign. And obviously that, you know, spoilers, but obviously that that title reign ended uh, back at Wrestle, <laughs> Wrestle, Queen, Wrestle Queendom. So we'll see, you know, we'll see. Obviously, there's a change of the guard up top. So that we'll, we'll see how that carries on going forward. Um, and then obviously, you know, too, with the Momo heel turn. So there's a lot of interesting factors going in. But I think stardom is going to be on an absolute roll. And just the, uh, the 10, 11 minutes they had at the Tokyo Dome, which we'll be you know, talking about later on this episode, that opened up a lot of eyes because about half an hour after that match was over, my Twitter and my text messages from, uh, from friends and fans of mine were asking me a whole bunch of questions. So I was like, well, you know, obviously the, you know, the buzz is there, the buzz is there and it's, it's onward and upward, uh, upward for them. So, uh, you know, good on them. Yeah, the the buzz around that Wrestle Kingdom match was was really powerful, especially directly after it. A load of people saying it was the best match on the cards um, before, obviously, Osprey and Okada tore the house down. Um, but people like uh, Filthy Tom Lawler, who was a big Stardom fan anyway, Chris Dickinson, the same. Dave Meltzer said he wished they'd had more time just because they maximized the time they'd been given um, and did really well with it. But we'd have loved to have seen a lot more, which it'll be interesting, actually, to see what Meltzer rates that match. Um, and to be honest, all the Wrestle Kingdom matches, because I thought there was some great matches, but there was also some clangers looking at no pe- people in particular evil. Um, talking about, obviously, how... God bless you. <laughs> honestly, God bless you. honestly, when he came out and that Ishii match, I could have cried. I, I physically could have cried, but never mind, doesn't matter. <laughs> talking about Stardom's, um, sort of how Stardom's year is going, Someone, and I'm really, really sorry for this. I meant to screenshot the person's name as well on Twitter so I could give them a shout out. And unfortunately, I've cropped it out of the image. So I did find this on Twitter. And if the person listens to the podcast, please, please tell me it was you. Or if someone knows who this was, tell them that we shouted them out and they do fantastic work. Um, But I've got a list of the Corican Hall holiday attendances. So over the Christmas period... Um, if we take 725 as a COVID sellout, um, there's only been two companies over the festive period that have sold out Corrigan Hall. One of those is DDT that sold out Corrigan Hall on their 3rd of January show, and the other was Stardom. The year-end climax on the 25th of December sold out 725 people. And we've got a list here ranging from Noah's shows on the 5th and the 4th of January, which were around about 400 people each. I don't think you can really look at those numbers because they were directly against New Japan, more or less. Um, You've got uh, Noah's 27th show, which hit 411 people. Um, Seedling drew 680 on the 29th. Uh, Big Japan drew 645 on their second of uh, January show. All Japan drew 701 to their third of January show. And New Japan drew 696 to their Christmas Eve Road to Tokyo Dome show. So just as sort of an indicator of where stardom is in the grand scheme of things, I think on average attendances last year, they were only beaten by New Japan and Dragon Gate. And they were a substantial amount ahead of Noah. So that's phenomenal. That that really is a phenomenal year for Stardom. And what a way to tie it off, Matt. Yeah, I also heard somewhere along the lines, I don't know if you heard this, is that uh, as far as 
uh, making money, they made more just because the expenses for New Japan are more. Uh, obviously, the wrestlers cost more, uh, the production costs more. But as far as Bushi Road, they made way more money than you know at per event than they did New Japan, which is astounding. You know, consider the fact that what New Japan's been able to do for the last ten years and how much their New Japan World subscriptions has gone up. So it's uh, you know, especially your your cup. We're we're I'm not going to say we're coming off of COVID era because we we talked about it before we're taping. We're we're still in it, and we don't know how how much longer we're going to be in it. So that's uh, that's absolutely amazing. You know, it is really nice that you did the. I mean, you always do your research, but the research on all those numbers because it's nice to hear all those you know companies doing doing pretty well. You know, the New Japan, uh, the All Japan numbers seem to be going well. That seedling number kind of you know I literally just jumped in my chair when I heard how how well they drew. But uh, I mean, that's really good that wrestling is doing really well in Japan, and it looks like stardom is on the, you know, right behind New Japan. They're kind of on the forefront of it. So um, only positive things uh, to, you know, to say. So onward and upward, you know, keep the momentum going and excited to see where this company's going to do in, you know, 22 and 23 and 24. Yeah, just piggybacking on that last point. Um... Armani Shoe Exchange on our Discord said that uh, Cyberfy were the company who are in charge of DDT and Noah. Uh, they posted losses this year um, with one thing and another, whereas Stardom and New Japan, obviously owned by Bushi Road, and they've posted um, not only um, profits, but in Stardom's case, the biggest profit that they've had since Bushi Road took over. So enormous, enormous props there. Um, in response to your um you know huge 2022 um we had another video package during the awards show that sort of just highlighted the three big dates for 2022 in terms of pay-per-views and i just want to quickly repeat those so people have got them in the diaries i'm sure people have anyway but even so um the nagoya supreme fight 2022 in nagoya that is going to be on january the 29th um, we then got Stardom Cinderella Journey 2022 in Nagaoka, which is in Nagata, and that's going to be on the 23rd of February. And then, of course, the first real, really enormous moment for Stardom in terms of 2022 was them being able to announce that they'll be running two back-to-back nights at Sumo Hall, um, Stardom World Climax 2022, which will run on the 26th and the 27th of march and those are both a saturday and a sunday so i'm looking forward to that definitely um but like i said on the 3rd of january uh stardom ran their awards the stardom award 2021 in belsal takadano baba which i hate saying so i can never tell if i say that right but if i say it with enough confidence matt it sounds like i've said it right so fingers crossed um this was in front of 430 fans. They ran that venue four times last year, and this is a bigger attendance than all four of those dates, which is excellent. Um, we had four matches, but we also had the 2021 Stardom Awards, um, and these are the categories and the winners for the 2021. So uh, the Best Technique Award uh, went to Sayak Kamatani, the Fighting Spirit Award went to Yanagi Sayaka. The Outstanding Performance Award went to Suri. The Shining Award to Starlight Kid. The Best Unit to Awebatai. The Best Tag Team Award to Fukuoka Double Crazy, Hazuki and Kogama. 
the best match awards to Tam Nakano and Julia from the Budokan show, the 3rd of March. The special award went to Mayu Iwatani, and the MVP went to Yutami Hayashishta. Um, of those then, Matt, are there any that stick out as a real surprise? Are there any that you'd change? Are there any that you're really happy for? What do you think? For all of them. I mean, all these girls work hard. Uh, the whole company works hard. Uh, the only, again, I mean, I'm never going to complain about something that's voted on because everybody has different opinions. And that's, that, and that's great. Especially, you know, we talk about wrestling and you could like this match better than this match. And, you know, maybe I have a different opinion on it. We can always discuss it, which makes wrestling and the fandom great. But I guess the two things that would stick out is the tag team. I figured tag team would have been uh, Sherry and Julia. Um, but whatever, you know, not that big of a deal. But match of the year, I mean, don't get me wrong. Tam and Julia was great. Tore the house down, main event at Budokan. Phenomenal story leading up to it. But in a year that pretty much was solidified stardom, you know, by almost one match. Like, I just don't understand how it doesn't go to Siri and Utami. Again, not that big of a deal. You know, I love Tam, love Julia. You know, good on them, good on everybody. But uh, I figured match of the year kind of would have been, kind of would have been a shoe in Kind of would have been one of the, you know, uh, Syria Utami matches, but I don't know. How about you? Um, to be honest, I, you've got Utami and Siori already winning one award, and I'm sure it's not a you know a sort of everyone gets a trophy sort of thing. But I think giving Tam and Julia that it was an excellent match, but it also gives more trophies to more of the roster. I suppose the one that surprises me, and in a good way actually, is the best unit award going to Oedetai. Because early in the year, they were just dreadful. Like, they were utterly directionless. They were boring. They were the worst thing about stardom. And for them to turn their year around and for stardom to rehab that unit as well as they have done is a tremendous story. It's probably one of the better stories of 2022 has been the turnaround of a weather tie from, you know, a, a bunch of goobs, basically, to being, you know, the unit of the year and sure a lot of that has to do with the acquisition of starlight kid and you know towards the end of the year momo but i thought they'd done an extremely good job of rehabbing Tora's character before the injury so i'm really happy for a weather tie i really am to be perfectly honest i've got no idea what the special award is that mayu won but i do know it's the only one that comes with a cash prize as opposed to a trophy so it does scream as oh my God, we forgot to give Mayu a, tri a, a prize. Just make one up. Just make one up, which as a teacher, we have definitely done before. <laughs> they should, this should be like an inside rib where she wins it every year. Like, I don't know if you're familiar from uh, the WWEF from the Slammies in the 90, where, 90s where Owen Hart would just come up on stage and like take somebody's award. Like, you know, kind of, a, and yes. that's what they should do every year. Like, the special award goes to, oh, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? What does the envelope say? I can't see. I'm all nervous. Why are you telling Yeah, she should win that every year. But, but real quick, just to piggyback off your thing with the way to tie, I obviously would have uh, given it to Queen's Quest, but I obviously, again, it's not that big of a deal. But I, I see your point um, from where they started to where they ended. And I think a lot of that uh, has to be on the back of what Style of Kid was able to do not only with her character, but with her in-ring and with her promos and with her stuff backstage. Um, I, I think a lot of that, to me, you know, as if somebody asked me, like, who's the best person in that group? Momo's just got there. So it's really, you really can't, you know, put anything on Momo yet. But I think over the last five, six months, the whole Wedetai thing, uh, not only, you know, was all, you know, given a big shot in the arm 
on the back of Starlight Kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's hard to say. It's hard to say that, you know, Starlight Kid wasn't a huge part of the reju- uh, rejuvenation, but, you know, it is important to note that just before her arrival, they were starting to do good things on the back of that all-out war with stars. But that was the Stardom Awards. And like I say, they drew 430 people to Balsal, which was a COVID sellout. There was four matches on the actual show itself. So if we run through a couple of these, um, match one saw the Oedetai team in a six-woman tag of Starlight Kid. Um, yes, yeah, Starlight Kid, sorry. Rina and Ruwaka defeat the team of Lady C. Waka Sukiyama and Mina Shirakawa in 10 minutes and 39 seconds. Ruwaka getting the pin over Waka with a freezer bomb. Um, Matt, not a great deal to say about this match, um, but what did you think? What were your overall thoughts? Girl Lady C, you know, channeling Kanta Kabashi with those chops. There were some of those chops she was hitting. <laughs> I was like, holy jeepers. Like, she was really throwing them. Yeah, really not much to say. It was kind of just a simple match. Again, everybody worked hard. It wasn't bad. They just kept it real simple. And just the other note note I had is there was a really nice uh, high-speed exchange uh, with uh, Mina and Starlight Kid. It always seems like there's not enough people in that division. And every now and again, when you would see, like, a Natsupoi or a Zumi or Starlight Kid in one of these six-persons or eight-persons tags, they're always, like, a quick, like, 20 or 30 or 40-second exchange that you think – Huh, I think that person would be really good in the high speed division. And I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Mina and Starlight Kid in maybe a, a five, six minute uh, high speed match. You know, something something different. You know, maybe might something that can add uh, something to Mina's game. So we'll see where that goes. I think that's something that I find as a as a big difference between Mina and Yunagi, whereas Yunagi is good at, you know, the fire, the baby face, the coming from beneath. And at the moment, they seem to be packaging her as some something of a powerhouse in Cosmic Angels. Mina is able to have different matches. And I thought that was, like you said, really clear and evident here. And it's the same conversation we have about Saki Kashima. You're not doing anything with her. She can hang with the likes of Azumi and Starlight Kid. Why not throw her into the high-speed division? What have you got to lose? Give us something to do. And the addition of Amina and Asaki would pad out that division because they are short of people. You know, there's no two ways around that. Now that Starlight Kid has defeated Kagama twice, Azumi, Fukigan Death, there's not a great deal left for her to do. So to add those different people would certainly be a huge plus to that division. Um, but no, in truth, it's probably the match you need to skip. If you If you... Only pressed to watch three matches. I wouldn't bother with this one too much. But Lady C, she's important later on. We'll get into that. Um, match two then was an eight-woman tag with the Donna Del Mondo team of Micah Himika and Natsupoi and Suri defeating the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Kaguma and Hanan with the running powerbomb from Himika to Kogama in 13 minutes and 35 seconds surprised me that they let Kogama take the pinfall here. Kogama didn't get pinned a significant amount in 2021, yet not only did they give Kogama the pinfall here, they also had Himika deliver the winning pinfall. Yeah, kind of weird considering the fact that everybody's in it. And not only that, but did you notice how the match started? Started with, you know, because we were kind of figuring, okay, what's Siri going to do? What's going to be her first big title defense? And kind of hinted after Wrestle Queen to where Mayu grabbed the microphone and said in 2022 she's going to focus on the red belt. And that's how the match started. 
you know, Mayu basically kind of called Siri down a little bit and Siri took the rest of the members of DDM and told them to, you know, go on the apron. She was going to start and they had a nice little exchange and they kind of teased a couple things, not only at the start of the match, but the middle of the match as well. So I think that's where they might be going for maybe the anniversary show. And obviously that would be a, a heck of a match. And uh, again, I want to talk about what I talked about in the first match. Whenever you see one of these high-speed wrestlers in these multiple-person matches, there's always a quick spot that you kind of scratch your head and say, I would like to see that, and I saw it here. Uh, and that's a point, Hannah. Um, I know you're really big on Hannah We, you know, from the uh, past few podcasts we've done, and I, she showed a lot to me in the uh, the last show at Wrestle Queendom, and that would be a very interesting uh, match maybe in the high-speed division, or even if they just had a, a quick five, six-minute match maybe to start a show to start a match hot. Um, that would be something that I would definitely look forward to because she has improved so much over these last few months. And that's a poise. I mean, she's just really, really on her game. Definitely. I mean, with Hannon, um, I can see her taking uh, the Mayu route, you know, through the high speed tag team and artist sort of route towards that main event scene. Um, she's only 17. So, you know, she's got a lot of time left, but I can definitely see her in that division. And yeah. She uh, she certainly held her own against Natsuboy. As for the Mayu angle, I think that might be something we look at for the Nagoya show. Um, simply because you look at the storyline they were telling with Suri. You know, she wants to complete that legacy. She wants to do it for her mother. Um, and that started um, initially with the Red Belt Challenge against Mayu. And Mayu beat her. So it would certainly make sense to cap off this entire sort of legacy angle and legacy storyline that they've been doing with Suri. What a fantastic way to put a bow on that storyline than with a clean win over Mayu, the person who beat her and stopped to get in the red belt in the first place. I think that'd be perfect. And I do think Suri will come out on top and rightly so against Mayu. Um, what about you? No, I totally, totally agree. I mean, it seems like that whenever there's a new champion, it would always be like, well, your first defense is against Momo this way. It's like, you know, you're going to have a good match. And we've seen it with B. Priestley. We saw it uh, at the end of 20, uh, 2020 with Utami. Obviously, they can't do that now because they flip Momo. And maybe they'll, you know, maybe Mayu is going to take up that spot, which, hey, that's a great spot to have because everybody believes in her. Everybody likes her. She's over. She draws well. You know, she, she turns heads. And she can have a good match with a broomstick. Or a good match with a goat or a cow, whatever it is that you said a couple <laughs> weeks ago on the podcast. I forget which one it was. I think it was uh, a sheep yeah. I think I came out with. <laughs> oh, jeez, I just threw everything out there and I didn't get the right animal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But I think that's, uh, that's going to be her first big defense. At least that's the way they're, that they're planting the seeds. And, uh, you know, sign me up. Not only will I watch it, but I, Rob, here's what I do. If that match happens... Not only will I watch it, but I will go on a podcast with you and I'll talk about it. Oh, there you go. See, I mean, what more reason would you need to have that match on? What reason? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Match three was a six-woman tag with the Queen's Quest team of Saikamatani, Azumi, and Yutami Hayashishita defeating the Oida Tai team of Momo Watanabe, Fukukin Death, and Saki Kashima in 16 minutes and 21 seconds with Azumi tapping out Saki with the numero uno. Um... A couple of things from this match that really stuck out to me, Matt. One was the huge emphasis they are placing on Azumi in this angle. And it's surely this is only going to be a big thing. Like the feud with Momo, they're 
spoilers, eventual main event at Corican, which will be this weekend, it really could be a launching pad for Azumi to be on equal footing with Saya and Utami, you know, challenging for those bigger belts on a on a more regular basis because, you know, they are they could have, you know, done Momo turning on Utami, but ultimately Utami's already a star. We don't need to do anything with that. We've got this whole thing going on with Saya Kamatani and now she's the white belt champion. It's the perfect mix. Turn on Azumi, it's your best friend. We've got that emotional feud. And if Azumi puts in a fantastic performance against Momo, which she will, probably in a losing effort, but she will, we know she will, she's tremendous, it really could be that launching pad to bigger things later on in the year. I mean, we're both really big on Azumi, so obviously, yeah, I mean, we knew this match was going to happen. They got to fill a lot of seats, and not only that, but do it while it's hot. You know, this angle angle is hot. Again, we don't know where they're going with Momo, but... Yeah, sign me up for a Momo Zumi match, sure. You know, I would take that when they were both in Queen's Quest. But now you have the, you know, the heel baby face, face dynamic, and you have, you know, turning on my tag partner, you know, turning on, you know, my basically my younger sister. So that always sells tickets. You know, real life drama always sells tickets. And I thought this match was pretty good. It kind of hit on all the notes. I, I liked it how Queen's Quest kind of reversed the roles in the beginning of the match on Oedo Tai, because they're the ones that always start off with the jump where they basically dismissed, uh, you know, Momo dismissed Saki and Fuku and Death, and then the three the three ladies in Queen's Quest decided to, hey, taste your own medicine, let, and so they jumped Momo. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, you know? Like, hey, good on you. The heck with you, Momo. I thought that was uh, really good. Obviously, there was a really good uh, finishing stretch between all these ladies. You know, they hit on all the notes. Everybody got enough in. Just really the only confusing thing was, as we talked on this podcast, how we thought they were kind of building Saki up for maybe a white belt match with uh, with Saya just because she pinned Saya before Saya won the belt at the Captain's Fall match, and then she pinned Azumi in the first Momo, um, the first Momo Oedo tie match. So we thought that they were maybe getting just a small push just to build her up for Saya, but then she takes the fall here. Um, so I don't, I mean, I kind of figured that Fuku and Death would have taken the fall here, or Momo would have gotten the pin. But yeah, you're building Azumi up, so. Uh, just a little confused on what they're doing with with Saki because it kind of seemed like the last six or seven weeks they were kind of going to go with her to build her up, but then she takes the fall here. So, yeah, it's interesting to see what happens. But, uh, yeah, Zumi Momo, sign me up. I find it so weird. Like, Saki, unfortunately, is going to be in that position where she is an older head on the roster, therefore they're going to parachute her in wherever she needs to be. Um, I don't think she's got a direction. I think it's more a case of, we are missing a person, right? Stick Saki in there. Saki can do a job. Um, which is unfortunate because she is great, and that's why so often we call her on this podcast the most underrated person on the roster. Um, and I think she suffered, especially in Stars, for having a lack of personality. Um, but here, I think, you know, she they could do something with her in the high-speed division. They could do something with her as a filler defense for the white belt, and they still might because she does still have that pinfall victory over Saya. That's not going to go away. The big jarring thing for me was Fukuken Death in this match. You're trying to build this emotional feud between Queen's Quest and Momo. As you rightly pointed out, Queen's Quest jumping um, Momo before the bell, um, really, really going in hard on Momo, which is great because they are angry, they're emotionally distressed. But then you instantly go to a clown hitting people with a newspaper and some death hands and people being forced to sell that as though it's the same as a Momo kick. And I just I find that so jarring. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't have an issue with death. She's fine lower card. 
But you could have swapped out Ruaka or Rina even for this. And that way you've got Rina taking the pinfall. Azumi still gets the pinfall win. Saki doesn't take the pinfall. And we haven't got the jarring emotional roller coaster of the emotion of the feud between Momo and Queen's Quest and then death hitting Utami in the face with a newspaper. I just I found that a little bit a little bit strange in this, especially when there's a four hundred and sixty three members of a Weathertie that you could have swapped Fukik and Death for. Um I don't know if I'm just being a little bit uh, picky though, Matt. Well, I just got a text message from uh, R. Ogawa, and he says that he wants you to call him because he's got some ideas he wants to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> home run, sir. Absolutely. I didn't even look at it like that just because I was kind of seeing the uh, the bigger picture on it. But that is obviously something small that leads into something major. So uh, that's brilliant. A- absolutely brilliant, sir. I, again, I, we I may say this once a podcast. I don't understand why you're not booking somewhere because that is, you know, uh, speaking of book, Rob's book is out, guys. Go and buy it. Uh, <laughs> little cheap plug segue there, oh. but uh, but <laughs> but no, you're you're absolutely right. It, it you know we have this Queen's Quest jump in the beginning. We had this big feud with you know Evil Momo, the Dark Peach, and we have everything just you know everybody's just hitting hard. And there's so much emotion, and then you got this clown coming in here doing her gimmick, which is fine. But not in this spot, not in this match. You could have either kind of maybe kept her out of the way, or again, yeah, you could have swapped out any other member of a way to tie in there. And it, yeah, it would have it would have built everything up and made everything make, made more a little more sense. Mm. Um, just another couple of things. I'm never gonna get. I'm never gonna be disappointed in Azumi and Saki roll up exchange. I thought that was brilliant, and that sort of lead in that transition that Azumi did to get into the Numero Uno was just tremendous beautifully executed and obviously she gets the pinfall victory um however submission oh, submission victory oh sorry submission victory did i say pinfall what am i talking about yes. i knew what i got I meant. you buddy. don't Thanks, you worry man. about it okay. <laughs> just want to see you just want to make sure i was paying attention that's exactly what it was that's what it was um but yeah i went to i stormed the ring but lady c comes in to help hits momo with the great carly brain chop um dare you how dare you <laughs> i just put you over i just put you over and you can't say giant baba on this podcast you're, you're great colleague just say wwe hall of famer the great colleague <laughs> there's a ball on with it the biggest proponent of the brain chop um <laughs> but yeah she comes to the ring uh to help uh azumi manages to bring an end to the fight challenges Momo Watanabe to a singles match at the upcoming Corican show at the start of the New Year Stars Tour, which Watanabe accepts. And from there, Lady C joins Queen's Quest, which is nice because they were the seconds in her debut match. And also, you know, you're trying to build a Zumi. Queen's Quest sort of need a pin eater. Sorry, fans of Lady C, but that's sort of where we're going with that. She will definitely get more wins this year, but she will also eat a lot of pinfalls. But it was really nice to have her get that little bit of a spotlight to come to the to the aid of Queen's Quest. Um, do you think it's a good fit for her to be in Queen's Quest, Matt, or would you have put her somewhere else? I'm a big fan of Lady C just because it's she's constantly getting better and she's putting in the work, but this might be too much because technically the way it looks on paper is like you lose Momo, one of the best overall wrestlers in the entire world, and you're putting in kind of a rookie. I mean, obviously, everybody bumps up. Utami takes the leader spot of, of Momo. Saya takes over 
Utami's spot a second. Command Azumi takes Saya's spot. Obviously, they're pushing her here. And then, you know, fourth fiddle is Lady C. But to uh, to a group that really, I didn't have any weaknesses, you're kind of having somebody come. And I understand that you, you have to eat a pin eater. Uh, but just for how awesome Queen Quest was this past year, you're literally taking a Momo out and putting a Lady C in it, where I thought she was going to Donald Del Mundo. But I guess number-wise, it makes sense, because everybody else has 84 members, <laughs> and Queen's Quest only had three. So it's like, well, you know, obviously she's going, we've seen the improvement the last four or five months, she's constantly improving. So obviously this is going to put her in a much, much bigger spotlight, and uh, they're basically going to give her the ball, and we're going to see what's going to happen. I think this is going to be a big, big year for her. I think obviously with her in Queen's Quest, you're going to see her at the five-star. You're going to see her in the five-star. Um, and you're going to see her having maybe 10, 11, 12-minute matches with a Utami, with a Momo, uh, with a Saya, with a Tam. And it's really going to, you know, she's either going to sink or swim. And I think just based on how much she's improved in the last three, four months, I think in the next seven, eight months, I think you're going to see her swim. I think you're going to see her swim well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had this at the start of 2020 when Saya Kamatani first joined Queen's Quest. And she didn't fit at all. You know, her ring gear was completely wrong. At one point, they'd photoshopped her into a picture of Queen's Quest and all sorts. She felt not wrong necessarily, but she felt she didn't feel like she belonged at that point. And then they had one of those um, all Queen's Quest tag matches at Stardom is again. And it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And Momo was literally kicking Seven Shades out of Sire and going, right, you need to step up. You're in Queen's Quest now. Step up. And if that happens with Lady C, then I have no issue with it. I mean, no one's any under under any misapprehensions that Lady C is going to come in and be the next challenger for the Red Belt. Um, you know, you're looking at elevating the other three members of, of Queen's Quest. You can't really afford them to take pinfalls. Um, so I'm not I'm not overly bothered by that. I think she's a good fit in Queen's Quest. Maybe need to sort out the ring gear um, just so that she's more stylistically a part of uh, Queen's Quest, especially now as they have the unity with all those ring jackets. To see Queen, to see Lady C as part of that will be uh, will be really good as well. Will she get her own mask too? She might well get her own mask. Though they've dispensed with the masks a little bit recently. Um, in the five-star, none of them wore them coming to the ring. They all had them in their hands. And then in this match, none of them wore it. They seem to be more bothered about the uh, the ring coats. So, yeah, maybe the, maybe the masks are slowly on the way out for Queen's Quest. Who knows? Um, I think it's it's a, it's a merchandising tool. You know, hey, those, those, those photos with the mask or the mask, they make money. So I think, obviously, you'll see Lady C with a complete different look. Probably maybe as soon as the next show. I mean, obviously they knew what they were doing with this, so they probably have her gear ready to go. So I think you'll, and she'll probably get a fancy ring jacket as well. So, uh, and yeah, it's again, we'll see how it plays out. You know, there's obviously positive and negatives to everything. We'll see how it plays out, but I think in seven eight months when we we talk about this, I think it's going to be, I think it's to be a big hit for Lady C for Stardom and for Queen's Quest. Definitely. We then moved on to the main event in. Uh, more ways than one because we got to find out who uh, X and Double X, the two Momos that have been attacking the Cosmic Angels rookies were. And it turned out to be Tekla 
from Ice Ribbon and Mirai from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. They teamed up with Julia as part of Donna Del Mondo and collectively they beat the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi Sayaka, Tam Nakano and Mei Sakurai with the Poisonous Spider Death Drop in 19 minutes and 37 seconds. Now, I don't profess to be any sort of um knowledge base when it comes to ice ribbon or tokyo joshi pro there are people especially in our discord who are very familiar with them and can give you a lot better background than i can but from research i know tecla knew julia from her time in ice ribbon there was obviously connections there um she's four years experience she won the triangle ribbon championship in may of 2021 and she's only 28 years old she's also austrian and has a fantastic english so that's always going to be good as well especially for that expansion that will eventually come into the western world uh mirai mayumi wrestled in tokyo joshi pro until late last year and was part of a tag team called b star with suzumi um, apparently they were quite popular and uh, she actually teamed up with Mina Shirakawa a few times in her early career um, but way back when when it was just one Momo at Kawasaki Super Wars and then Tokyo Super Wars um, it was believed that my um, Mirai was the original Momo so that sort of got confirmed here what did you think about the two um, did you have a particular favourite do you think they covered themselves in glory what do you think of the new Donna Del Mondo well, I think, it's, you know, we got on record saying I don't know much of uh, Joshi Wrestling outside of Stardom. So, obviously, we threw out, you know, who could be, who would cool be, you know, it would be funny if it was this person, what if it's that person. So, when they unmasked, I was like, okay, I don't know who they are, but obviously, I'm invested. But I thought that everybody looked good, you know, on all six. All six of these ladies looked good, but I thought uh, Tekla kind of stood out the most, and I think that was kind of by design. I think if you were to take a stopwatch and, like, see who had the most ring time, it was her. Um, obviously you think right after, like an hour after the match, after the show, she started uh, tweeting out pictures of her and Julia from when they were in uh, ice ripping together. So it's like, okay, you have that connection, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But, uh, obviously that was the big thing on the match was to see, you know, who was going to be under the mask. Stardom is not going to book anybody that's not top notch. I mean, there's just, or, or they don't see where they can invest anything in, you know, they're in, it's, it's a business, you know, and they're like, we talked earlier, they're in they're on the rise so they're only gonna you know book and put people in that i think they're gonna help them obviously with what tecla's able with her pro and she did a promo after the match she's able to speak english so that only makes things you know better for them because now she can communicate the the promos uh better over to uh you know to the to the english-speaking fans but i know the best part about the match was we got a you know everything was built around the momo mask we had this really nice slap exchange with tam and julia where they were playing on their feud from from last year, last year, 2021 was last year. Crazy to say, but they're <laughs> building on their feud last year and Tam slapped Julia and Julia sells it, but she has to pop her ears because she just got the noise <laughs> slapped out. I thought that was so good. I rewound that twice just for that spot. It was like, it was, I mean, not only was the slap hard, but it was just like her facial selling. The fact that she had to pop her ears. I thought that was, that was really cool. So um, yeah, well, it's, Again, exciting things. We'll 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 see what's happened. Stardom's really done a good job shaking up their roster the last four or five weeks. They have absolutely. I thought there was an, a really good dynamic between Tekla and Mirai as well, because you know with Tekla you've got that sort of crazy, sort of hopped up, sort of 
in-your-face almost persona, whereas you've got Mariah, who's got that very, very calm and collected and focused personality, but you know for a fact that she could beat you into oblivion. Um, I don't know what Tekla had had before she came out, but I want some before I go to work tomorrow because it looks fantastic. Um, but yeah, both of them in-ring looked very good. Um, obviously, the big thing that came out of this was Tekla's toxic spider spear, um, which... Was it took the internet by storm and went viral? Looked really cool, um, sort of in this crab and sort of sprinted away on in this crab and then hit a spear. Very, very, very bizarre, but looked really cool. Um, there was a really cool exchange between Tekla and Tam where <laughs> Tekla was being so in Tam's face that Tam was like, um, it, it, you know, it's bad when she's in a she's too much for Tam and Tam is in a unit with you, Nagi. So that goes to show you how much Tekla was being in this. Um, Mirai throws an excellent forearm and a fantastic lariat. Um, and I thought May looked really, really good in this, apart from one point where she full-mounted Tekla and started delivering these forearms. And they were the weakest forearms I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, they, they were dreadful. But apart from that, I thought this was her strongest outing so far, Matt. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, at, I believe it was she was in a six part. Oh yeah, at, at Dream Queendom on the 29th. She looked really good in there. We were kind of talking podcast before. We're like, yeah, she's not getting it. She's not getting it. She just seemed to step behind. And then all of a sudden on the 29th, she looked really good. And, and in here, she looked uh, she looked really good. So again, it's just more young members that we're excited to see something about. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll get a Tekla Unagi match. Maybe a you know a case of Red Bull on a on a pole match because <laughs> <laughs> that's where it might go. But yeah, you talked about the Toxic Spider. I mean, obviously that was awesome, but it was also the way that Tam sold it facially yeah. and the way she fed in for her as well. I mean, ninety percent of that was Tekla. You don't you know. Let's not take anything away from her, but the fact they had Tam as the one to take it, like the you know when she did the spider and Tam's facial was like what the heck is this and she was like so confused by what she saw she didn't even see the spear coming so you know we got to give uh, kudos to Tam for uh, for selling that and setting that up you know perfectly yeah i thought I, honestly i thought this all six women properly went i don't know what someone had said to julie before she went out but she threw caution to the wind with some of her strikes like she's always been a little bit sort of devil make air with the strikes but jesus christ she laid some in here and she looked tremendous here like she just felt just you were automatic like you had Tekla who is you know she draws the eye let's say but Julia she comes into the ring and you can't help but be like Jesus Christ she's a star the way she looks the way she carries herself the way she hits people really really good and that slap exchange with Tam was absolutely ferocious um but let's leave Stardom Award 2021 there. Three very, very good matches if you want to go and check them out. It is on their YouTube channel, uh, which they streamed live. I think it reached about 150,000 viewers altogether. I think live it reached about 20,000 watching during the main event. So really, really good numbers for Stardom. Um, but you can also see it's on World now as well if you want to just check out the matches. Something else big happened, though, on the 5th of January, and that, of course, was the second night of Wrestle Kingdom, where, for the first time in 20 years, premium women's wrestling featured on the main card of a Tokyo Dome show, 
and we had Tam Nakano and Saya Kamatani defeating the reunited MK sisters, Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani, with the Phoenix Splash in nine minutes and 46 seconds. So, Matt, as I've said, first time in 20 years women's wrestling's been on the main card of the Tokyo Dome. Did the four women do themselves proud? Absolutely. And obviously we're biased because I don't know if you guys know, we have a podcast where we talk about this. But yeah, I, I thought this was, and I think I, I texted you yesterday, I watched all the matches live as they happened. And this was between the two nights. This was my fourth favorite match. Uh, and if I had maybe two or three more minutes, it you know maybe got bumped up to number three. But boy, the MK sisters, they didn't miss a beat, did they? Holy jeepers. I mean, they were they were on. They were on. Everybody was on. Don't get me wrong. But I think just the combination of uh, Mayu and Starlight Kid, where I think I, I literally went back after I got out of work that, that day yesterday, um, as we record this, I went back and I started watching some of the stuff from 20 uh, earlier this year, uh, earlier last year, 21 and 2020. But I thought this match was incredible. How about you? I really, really enjoyed it. In in On the one hand, it was very much an exhibition of Stardom's style. But when Stardom's style is so bloody good at the moment, you're just not going to miss. And when you've got four competitors in the ring, Starlight Kid, who had the year of her career last year, Mayu Iwatani, who is one of the greatest female workers to come out of Japan, Tam Nakano, who had a fantastic year last year, and one of the rising stars in Saya Kamatani, they're not going to put on a bad match. And they did everything to a T. And do you know what? It was helped so much by the commentary. Um, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton did so much. I mean, Chris Charlton always does a phenomenal amount of research, but he's done, he did a fantastic job here. I mean, a little stat that Mayu um, is now part of a list of only six women who have ever wrestled at both MSG and Tokyo Dome. And that is the Crush Gals, Hannah Kimura, Bull Nakano and Alundra Blaze. Um, and something I didn't realize, which bearing in mind, we watch the product regularly. Mayu was also unbeaten in singles action against all three of those women that were in the ring, which I thought was a really, really interesting stat. And obviously you've got the ongoing storyline between Mayu and Tam and Cosmic Angels and Stars. And then the even more pressing one of Starlight Kid and Mayu. So I thought that was a really interesting story beat going forward as well. Um, Starlight Kid wearing a Tiger Mask tribute mask, very similar to the MK Sister. I thought that was a really nice touch. I've only just noticed as well that on the inside of her ring jacket, she's bringing the masks of the people she's beaten in the high in her high speed defenses, and it's very similar to Dragon Gate with the keys on the belt. If that's the case, because I'm sure she opened up her um, coat and there was a Kogama one, an Azumi one, and a Momo one, and that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because those have been three of her four defenses. So Yeah, you know, I just thought she was just bringing, like, a whole bunch of masks, but yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I thought initially, and then I was like, I'm sure that's Kogama's mask, because it had, like, the barriers. So I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, please let me know in the Discord or on Twitter, but I'm sure that's the case, and if it is, that's a really, really cool little thing, cool little Easter egg that we've uh, that we've got there. Um, but yeah, this was, this was tremendous. I mean, the only thing that surprised me, really, was how much of the heat Sayakamatani took before... Um, delivering the pinfall. Like, she ate almost everything from Starlight Kid and Mayu and kicked out. Um, she hit that schoolboy suplex, and I'm so glad she's added that to her arsenal because it looks amazing. 
well, psychology-wise, it makes sense for her to kind of eat all that because then it's just the they're able to get not only all the cool moves and all the everything in, but they were able to get some storytelling there as well. And the the, the storytelling and the psychology was side getting her butt kicked and then coming back hit the uh, hit the star crusher into the phoenix splash. But yeah, this this was just fantastic. Uh, th- nobody really missed a beat. Uh, the double six one nines from the MK sister, the Asai moonsault. Uh, Starlight Kid, Starlight Kid did. I thought after she hit the Asai Moonsault, I thought maybe Mayu was going to hit one off the top rope uh, as well. Um, it, I mean, you look at this on paper, right? If, if I had so many of my friends that don't watch Stardom that told me if they were going to rank these competitors, they would have Starlight Kid one, Daya two, Tam three, and Mayu four. Now us who've watched Stardom and researched it and studied it, going into the match, if you were to ask us, well, how would you rate him? It'd probably be reversed. We'd probably have Mayu number one, Tam number two, Saya number three, and Starlight Kid number four. Or you can flip-flop three or four. So it just really goes to show you just at any given point in time on any stage, any one of these competitors can can really steal the show. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they did that with the Kid and Starlight, uh, Kid and Saya Kamatani opening as well. You had the opportunity to open with Mayu and Tam, two of the most solid workers that Stardom have produced, yet you opened with an absolutely explosive opening between Kid and Kamatani which really set the pace for the rest of the match, which was fantastic. Overall, I thought this was just a fantastic advert for stardom. Um, It was put over huge, like I say, by Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton. um, And they, in turn, put over Karen Peterson of Post Wrestling, who does an absolutely tremendous job. If you haven't checked her out, go and check that out. But there was no shout-out for us, Matt. Where the hell was our shout-out, Kevin? Honestly. Well... Well, you know, when something like that happens, I just say, hey, you know, you just got to set aside and work harder. So maybe <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom 17 will have our shout out. But we, uh, you know, when they first when they first announced this match, we were like, okay, this should be good. But like, where's your Tommy? Where's Siri? Where's, you know, we're just a few weeks away from this big main event on the 29th at Wrestle Kingdom. How come you're not featuring these two? And I think we kind of said, one, they don't want to tip their hat at winning. And two, they probably only have nine or ten minutes. And as good as Siri and Utami are, they would be great in a nine, ten minutes uh, scenario. Don't get me wrong, but if you only have nine or ten minutes, you need to maximize not only your minutes, but your seconds. And I think these four were the absolute four, uh, perfect four to do it. As far as, like, if I'm going to give this a rating, I would probably give this three and three-fourth stars. If this had two or three more minutes, I think this would be, like, four, four and a quarter like I said, the only thing that was wrong with this match was just they just didn't have enough time. And obviously they knew the time going into it because they fit so much in less than 10 minutes. Got to make time for Evil and Dick Togo, man. Always got to <laughs> make time for Dick Togo. But no, I'm, I'm with you. Roughly three and three quarter, four stars. I thought it was it was a really, really, really good match. And I'm really happy for all four of the women that they put on a match like that as as an advert for stardom as well. Um, just before we get into our own awards then, um, I just want to run through the cards for the first three dates of the New Year Stars Tour. The first two on the 8th of the 9th are back-to-back at Corican Hall. So the first one on the 8th of January is as follows. So we open with a three-way uh, between Himika, Koguma and Lady C. We've then got a six-woman tag with the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Hanan taking on the uh, Wida Tai team of Saki Kashima, Fukigen Death, and Rina. 
We then got a tag team match between the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Tekla taking on the Oida Tai team of Starlight Kid and Ruaka. We then got six-woman action with the Donna Del Mondo team of Micah, Sturi, and um, Mirai. Sorry, didn't load. Mirai taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Mei Sakurai, and Waka Sukiyama. Semi-main is a tag team match between Aphrodite and the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka. And then the main event is a singles match between Momo Watanabe and Azumi. Um, so aside from the main event, which obviously is going to be fantastic, what jumps out at you from that first Corican card, Matt? Anything? Nothing? I mean, all that should be good. Uh, again, you're kind of shaking up the roster, so you're going to kind of see with all the new people that they brought in and some of the new faces that they're pushing just to see what they're going to do. But it's always nice to see the the stars trio of uh, Kagama, Suzuki, and uh, Mayu. I think it's only a matter of time before they win the artist stardom belts. But I don't know. Everything looks really good, but it looks like I think that card is just building towards the main event. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. There's There's not a great deal here that is compulsory viewing, I feel. Um, that semi-main, Aphrodite versus Tam and Yunagi, that could be very, very good. Um, Julia and Tekla versus uh, Starlight Ken Ruwaka could be decent. But yeah, I imagine it'll be a card that builds to those uh, final two matches. Um, on the ninth, then, we have the following. So we open with a singles match between Tekla and Saki Kashima. We've then got a tag team match with the stars team of Mayu Iwatani and Hanan taking on Yunagi Sayaka and Wakasukiyama. Um, Six-woman action follows with the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika, Maika and Mirai taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mai, Sakurai, and Mina Shirakawa. Um, Eight-woman tag with Queen's Quest, Lady C, Azumi, Sa- um, Sayakamitani, and Yutami, taking on the Oedatai team of Momo, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, and Rina. And then the main event is a Goddesses of Stardom Championship match between the champions, ALK, and the challengers and goddesses of stardom tag team tag league winners sorry uh, fwc hazuki and koguma um so again i'll ask you the same question matt of all those matches aside from the main event which again i am extremely looking forward to what sticks out there for you again the same you know it'll be interesting to see you know who rises up in this spot you know you can see somebody you know, Yunagi or Amina or somebody kind of maybe rise their stock. I mean, here we go. It's the start of the new year. But again, uh, like everything everything should be good. But again, just like night one, the focus is going to be on that main event. And I think that we're going to see new champions. I think you just have to seriously got way too many belts. I think you're going to see new champions. And I think you're going to see Hazuki get the pinfall. And I don't know if it's going to be on Julia. Or I wouldn't be shocked if she, you know, does one of her, uh, if she does a little blind shot cradle and pin Siri. And that sets up a, 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 a Hazuki Siri match for the Red Belt somewhere down the line. But I think that's uh, that would be something. I think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see Hazuki get the pinfall, and it's going to build to her getting a title match sometime probably in February or March. I agree. I do think FWC got the championship belts here. Um, you mentioned Donatel Mondo. At one point during 2021, um, Donatel Mondo had every single belt 
Julia had the white belt. Siori's had the red belt. They've had the artist belts. Obviously, ALK and Micah and Himika have held the Goddess of Stardom Championships. And Siori is still yet to be defeated for the SWA belt. So, oh, aside from the future belt, I apologize. Aside from the future belt, Donna Del Mondo have held every single belt in the company in the space of a year, which is a phenomenal stat when you think about it. Um, but yeah, I do see stars taking the belts here simply because at the moment, Siori's got three belts, never mind Donna Del Mondo. Uh, plus, it frees up Julia to do some single stuff, which I imagine we'll be heading towards as well. So I'd be very, very, very surprised if FWC don't walk away as tag champs there. But I think we'll be looking at, if we're talking stars, I'd be surprised if this is under a four-star match. Four-star basement we're looking at, I reckon, with this match. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no reason why this match should not be fantastic. We've then got night three, which is from KFC Hall in Tokyo. And this is the card for that match. We have got a tag team match between the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi Sayaka and Mei Sakurai and the Oedetai team of Saki Kashima and Rina. We've then got a three-way match between Hazuki, Sayakamatani, and Fukikan Death. I'm putting my house on Fukikan Death winning that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've then got um, a six-woman tag with the Queen's Quest team of Yutami, Azumi, and Lady C taking on the Oedetai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. Maybe Momo Watanabe will finally get a pinfall in six-woman action. Who knows? Um, we've then got more six-woman action. The Dun Dun Mondo team of Micah, Siori, and Himika taking on Mayu Iwatani, Koguma, and Hanan. That should be a very good match. And then in our main event, it is the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Tekla, and Mirai taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mina Shirakawa, and Waka Tsukiyama. Um, Matt, those two last matches, again, look quite tasty. And again, that matchup of Sturi and Mayu Iwatani, maybe that is somewhere we're heading later on. I think maybe you should flip the main events. I think the... Queen's Quest versus a way to tie six man should be kind of maybe bumped up. And I think the semi main should be the main. Uh, again, I mean, obviously they're putting a lot into Donna Del Mundo, and I understand that. But those are, you know, I, I didn't know what the card was until you just read it off. I knew what the first two nights were. But I was like, well, to me, the, the two best are, uh, were, you know, the, the, the second and third uh, six, six woman tag matches. So, but yeah, I think, uh, I think obviously we're going to keep planting the seeds here for. Siri and uh and for Mayu. I mean that's your red belt. That's your you know that that's your big thing there. Uh yeah, I think they're they're gonna plant that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Don't get me wrong, the main event will be good, but I just think there's probably more steam on the uh Siri versus Mo, uh Mayu, and then obviously you have Momo versus any members of the Queen's Quest, and obviously we're gonna see maybe we'll see a stiff chop kick exchange between Lady C and Momo, and then Lady C goes over with the giant Baba chop. <laughs> you determined chop. to get that in on you. Yeah. Determined. <laughs> um, I think it's important as well, just the last thing before we wrap up this preview and head into our awards, that Suri doesn't have a challenger yet for that big show in um, Nagoya. Uh, whereas Sayaka Kamatani has got the challenge of Yunagi coming up. We've had nothing for Suri, so it would make sense here for Mayu to get the win, maybe over a Himika, gain revenge over Himika for that pinfall loss um, over Kogama at this show that we've just reviewed. 
who knows? But it would make sense for a Mayu to challenge because a Suri versus Mayu rematch will it'll sell. You put Mayu at the top of the card against anyone and it will sell. So it would make sense. Plus, like I said earlier, it it ties off that storyline as well. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is the time that some of you have been waited for the with bated breath. Um, it is the full final rundown, the results, if you will, of the Stardom Cast End of Year Awards 2021. And so, ladies and gentlemen, because this is our End of Year Awards 2021, me and Matt thought it would be a fantastic sort of thing to do to bring in a special guest now no it's not mayu no it's not julia it's chris o'brien chris hello 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 matt um i've, I've been enjoying your insight on the podcast via it's a different insight from us because we don't wrestle like imagine if i took a bump i would be winded cry and then call my mum <laughs> so <laughs> I, i've been enjoying your insights i think it's re- really cool to have that sort of insight in a podcast robert you whore Hello, how are you, my friend? It's been uh, it's yeah. been a long time. No, well, I say long time no speak. We were literally texting earlier today, but yeah, we text fairly often, believe it or not. We do. It's almost like we are friends. How are you, you filthy animal? I'm fine. Um, I'm I'm kind of just end year list pilled right now. Of course, of course. Um, I believe your video is out soon. Am I right? Um, well. Soon is a relative term. Okay. Um, it, if by soon you mean by the end of the month, yeah, probably. If by soon you mean like within days, no, 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 no. It's <laughs> fucking long. It's so long. It's needlessly long. You've you've posted updates to Twitter, and I believe. Oh yeah, it's more than that now. Oh um, my it's, god! It's, last Twitter knew it was ten thousand words, and at that point, I hadn't even written about twenty of the matches on my list, or twenty-three of the wrestlers on my list. My God, man, stop being so wordy. I mean, like, most of it's not the list. Most of it's, like, the free stuff, like the feud of the year and my non-wrestling favourites. <laughs> uh, Is this, like, your favourite albums and stuff? Yeah, favourite albums, favourite films, um, favourite TV. I've got a bit about Doctor Who in 2022. It's going to be a good time. I cannot wait to watch it. Um but for now, Chris, obviously you're delving back for one podcast only into uh, into the world of stardom. Um, you want to come and give us your uh, insights into uh, the categories. So what I'm going to do is, and the way we're going to do it, ladies and gentlemen, is I'm going to read out the category, the wrestlers. I'll give mine, um, Matt will give his, and then Chris will give his, and then we'll read out the uh, the winner as voted for by you. And the first thing I want to say is, there's been we've been inundated with responses the amount of responses is so much more than last year and last year was amazing so thank you to everyone that's interacted with us we really 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 do appreciate it it really does mean a lot to us that people actually take time out of their day to just vote on something that we've put out there so thank you very much so without further ado let's kick straight into this so the stardom wrestler of the year 2021 you had the entire roster 
to vote for here. So I'm not going to go through every single person on the roster. What I am going to do is, though, I'm going to throw to Matt. Um, Matt, give us three, two, and one of your stardom wrestlers of the year. Number three, Tam Nakano. Number two, Suri. And number one, I think this is almost going to be unanimous, Utami. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'd be amazed if um, Utami's isn't Chris's as well. Um, Chris, what about you for wrestler of the year? Oh, I'm going to surprise. So number three is Shiri. Uh-huh. Number two is Starlight Kid. Okay. And number one is Momo. Wow. You tell me not in the top three at all. <laughs> We're going kind to of have an argument, aren't we? Itami is like... um, Her highs are really good. Her lows, for me, are really low. And then there's not much in the middle. <laughs> He's back 90 seconds and he's shaking it up, folks. <laughs> and that's what's great. That's what, you know, we talked about earlier on this podcast. That's, hey, everybody likes certain things, you know. You like chocolate, I like strawberry, this guy likes vanilla, this person likes Rocky Road. In the end, it's all ice cream. Absolutely. In the end, it's all ice cream. One thing, one thing we can all agree on, though, is the Starlight Kids had a phenomenal year. Oh, she has a, oh. she's had a great year. Um, she's worked as both a face and a heel. And also is just kind of cool <laughs> that is true she is to be fair she is just she's got that look hasn't she in that presence that's just it means she's just cool um, yeah she's like her, her entrance is so good but it fooled people into thinking she was the leader of her at a time when Tora was still there it's like <laughs> she, she's sitting right there um for me personally um my number three is starlight kid uh for the exact reasons that chris has outlined she's on tremendous matches all year round ones that have been completely forgotten about like that first match with natsupoy at the end of march tremendous her matches with mk sisters and mayu absolutely amazing and then her matches as heel where she put on an absolute banger in that three-way with kagama and azumi at uh, queendom I think she's been fantastic, and it's been a real elevation year for Starlight Kid this year. Um, number two is Suri. Um, I gave three five-star matches in Stardom. If we're going off star ratings, I gave three five-star ratings in my book, and Suri was involved in all three. So, you know, her matches with Utami and that five-star final with Momo was absolutely tremendous. Um, I am just going to give a couple of special mentions just for Tam and Momo, um, who literally just missed out on uh, on my top three. And then Utami, number one. Um, I I disagree with Chris, but, you know, what's new? Me and Chris disagree on most things oh, most wait, of the time. Wait until, wait until we start talking about Tam. I'll oh, yeah, now. I know. <laughs> I... I think Utami has had an absolutely astonishing year. I think the one match that potentially didn't go to plan was against Takumi, and that went too long. However, her matches against Hazuki, her matches with Micah, um, there's two Siori matches that go without saying. Um, she put on the Tora fan- match would have been fantastic oh, if Tora hadn't gotten injured because that, that was shaping that was up to be way- so good. It was shaping up to be my favourite Utami match of the year, and then... And then, obviously, Tora's injury. Yeah. But then you look at... She was placed second on um, second from the top at Budokan against Saya Kamatani and basically said, right, the, here is this future star. Make her look good. And Saya did a tremendous job, obviously, but Utami held that match together beautifully. And then her match with B Priestley 
which yeah, again she put a banger out of B. Exactly. B who is she is good, but she can be quite inconsistent. You told yeah, me pulled the best is, match of her year out of her. B problem B's problem tends to be when she hits a move, you're thinking of other better wrestlers. <laughs> like she hits <laughs> she hits the Kamigoye and it's like, oh, Abushi. She hits the fucking B trigger. It doesn't help that she calls it the fucking B trigger. But then like that wasn't a problem in the Utami match, because we just kind of took really nice what the fuck is that apron bomb like oh that my bump god fucking, i'm a bump of a b driver utami's <laughs> done a couple of those on people where you're like please just 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 stop oh the hazuki one jesus oh, poor hazuki hazuki's been great. yeah that was that that was brutal oh my yeah, god like, wasn't it just she, she just forgot to tuck her neck <laughs> i've been away like for a while op- it's like the opposite of the aj uh, the opposite of a fucking style slash problem oh god right so basically this is the rundown of your wrestler of the year so um with other votes he says in inverted commas these are people that got votes but did not make the top four um natsupoi momo watanabe hazuki koguma lady c and tam nakano um the top three therefore in third place with pardon me 12 percent of the vote is starlight kid in second place, with 24% of the vote, is Utami Hayashishta. And the runaway winner, with 46% of the vote, is Suri. Um, I don't think any of the three of us can really uh, can really say that Suri does not deserve to at least be in with a shot of reaching number one of wrestler of the year. So, a tremendous job. Of the people who got sustained push it, because that's so my reasoning for having Momo at number one was mostly she did this without having massive sustained pushes. Like she, they were very on and off with her, mm. but she still managed to outclass half the roster. Oh, yeah, she's a tremendous wrestler. Tremendous. With, with Shiri, she was pretty much pushed for a whole year because she's either had the SWA belt or was pursuing Utami. And. It's weird. She, for me, she does best in her more low-key matches. Like, for me, the highlight for Shiri is for Konami matches. He didn't wrestle low-key. <laughs> <laughs> <Didn't. laughs> and, yeah, the Konami matches were brilliant. Um, that yeah. one at Budokan, it, it, it was so close to being, like, an all-time classic. Um, it, was, it just ran a little bit short. And I actually said, uh, not too long ago, that that was the trilogy that we wanted before the Utami trilogy. Um but of course we only got the two matches because of Konami's injury, but it was the it was the trilogy we all wanted because of the history. So yeah, completely I really agree. The, I really like the UWF match because they managed to actually use for because it's the most annoying thing in wrestling to me when there's a rule when a, there's a change in rule set and they don't do anything with it. Like you see this yeah. um you see this a lot where they'll just have like a cage. But there's no reason to have the cage. They just have a cage. And they don't really wrestle different towards their win condition. Whereas in a UWF match, knock out, tap out, or lose all your points, there's different win conditions there. And they play to it perfectly. It's oddly not the best UWF match of the year because of Gleet. It's a, <laughs> it's a shame for Sadam that Gleet exists, I guess. But it they play to it really well, especially since they won't be used to the rule set at exactly. this stage. Exactly. Yeah, it, 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 it's just a gimmick, and you just have to use it. You know, you, it's something that's completely different. Like if you have a cage match or a barbed wire match or no DQ match, 
it's just something something different. Now we see those all the time in wrestling, and we talked about on our podcast with the, the UWF rules. It was something that's never seen in Stardom before, and really, it's not something that we see a lot of. Like you, you know, seeing cage matches almost every week on TV, mm. and uh, they played they played it absolutely. They did definitely, and they added that drama as well. Especially as Konami was so close to winning. And then ended, you know, we knew she wouldn't be, but the match was actually that good that it made you forget that there was a certain predictability of the result, which was, which to me is everything you could have asked for it. What's worth mentioning with Shuri also is her versatility. Because, like, Utami, she's there for one thing, and that's her big epic title matches. Mm. Whereas Shuri, she has the big epic title matches, quality may vary depending on person to person. Um, then you have her little feud with Konami, which is very grapple-heavy. You have her tag run with Julia, and then she's working with for the SWA belt for, with everyone from uh, Momo to fucking Unagi. Yeah. So she's like, she's been extremely versatile. Completely agree with you. Completely yeah, it's, it's agree. A, it's a full year from her, really, and then like she's probably the highlight of the of the five star. Apart from maybe Koguma, but also like I, I just really take him to Koguma. Koguma's great. The, we've actually said recently, Matt, haven't we? Just how much Koguma has improved. It seems to have been accelerated by the five star, where obviously you know you're wrestling singles matches against the best in the company on a regular basis. But since she's come back, she's just gone from strength to strength. I mean, it's like Hazuki. Hazuki is like she- she's never left. Yeah, and she takes the best German suplexes. Holy jeepers. Oh I my think God, she's just yeah. like, all right, who's going to drop me on the back of my neck today? <laughs> I, want, I want to see a take on ha- um, Shinshiro Hashimoto right away. <laughs> um, let's move on then to our match of the year 2021. So I'll just read out the um, some of the choices. Um, we had Yutami versus Micah from the Five Star Grand Prix. Yutami versus Hazuki from Kawasaki Super Wars. Tam versus Saya from Dream Queendom. Mayu versus Yoshiko from All Star Dream Cinderella. Utami versus Saya from that same show. Um, Julia versus Starlight Kid from Stardom Go to Budokan. Uh, Siori versus Momo from the Five Star Grand Prix, the final. Uh, Julia Konami from Stardom Dream Queendom. Julia versus Tam from All Star Dream Cinderella. Mayu versus Momo from the opening night at the Five Star. And then Utami versus Siori from Tokyo Dream. And Utami versus is Suri from Stardom Dream Queendom. Uh, Matt, start with you again. What match have you voted third, second, and first? Lot to pick from. Uh, Momo number three was Momo and Siri, the grand, the final, the five star. Mm-hmm. Number two was from Wrestle Queendom, the main event, Utami and Siri. And number one was the same match, but from the All Star Dream Cinderella, uh, Siri and Utami. Yeah, I so mean... Siri is one, two, and three. She took all the. <laughs> She did okay this year. She she didn't do too badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am just before I throw to Chris. Um, I just want to. There's one match in particular that I'm not going to be able to pick in my top three, and just like with my. In fact, I'll do it when it's my turn. Do you know what? Ignore me, Chris. What is your top three? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and not stay fully on list, mostly because I've already forgotten the list. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. I don't mind that. <laughs> number number three is Momo versus. Not Momo, fucking hell. It's Micah versus Utami from day one yes. of the five star. Because oh. for I'm telling from Utami's great there, it's probably Utami's best performance all year for me. Um everything from the deadlift suplex on the floor, it decided to bang. 
Um, it, I rewatched it recently from a list. It falls down a little bit on rewatch just because it was surrounded by all these fantastic matches, but it's easily Utami's best performance all year. It made me a fan of Micah, who is much better since getting bangs. <laughs> I have this theory. I can't. I can't prove that the bangs are the reason, but like it's there's clearly a direct line of Micah gets bangs, gets good. Right, you think like, it's to do with the haircut then? Have you ever read the Bible, Robert? I've read, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with the Bible, Chris, yes. Uh, um, you, know, you know where I know where he's going. I Go know ahead. where he's going, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know that big bastard with long hair? You mean Samson? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Don't I, think he's I ever think he's... been referred to before as the big bastard with the hair, but yeah, sure. I'm, I'm bad with names. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's like that, except instead of just hair, it's bangs. Okay. <laughs> match two. Well, um, that. <laughs> match, two, match two is also from the five star. Is um, Shiri versus Momo in the final. Yeah. They kick each other very hard. Mm-hmm. I have no other... Re- I don't think I should have to justify my pick beyond that. No, I don't think you should either. Um, and then my number one is Mayu versus um, Yoshiko. I knew that would be yours. Because, first of all, it's, like, concise. I'm, mm. I make no bones of the fact I'm not a massive fan of a lot of the big dramatic epics you see in main event Japanese wrestling right now. So that going, it went, like, what, 15 minutes? It wasn't long. Um, um, something like that, yeah. Great. Also, Yashika working hurt. I've watched it twice, no, three times now, and I've... I struggled to notice each time. Not just hurt, Didn't... not just hurt though, Chris. She was out for the remainder of the year. This was the last yeah, match she... until January this year that she, she wrestled. She, she's only just back, yeah. And um, I liked when the seedling wrestlers just refused to catch May. Oh my god, that suicide <laughs> dash! Jesus, I, I, forgot about I loved that. it. Um, the uh... and also like the story works. No matter what level you're coming as, if you're a Steedling fan, this is a Yashiko Redemption arc. If you're a Stardom fan, it's maybe defending from an outsider. If you're new to either woman, then it's just kind of a banger. Mm. I think I think it works in several levels, and it's like Mayu at her peak, which we didn't really see again all year or before. No. Which makes sense. She's recovering from, you know, 2020. Yeah. And like it's weird because this might be the last big one for a while because if they're going in that direction, I kind of saw what May does with that extended runtime against Tam, and that was rough. <laughs> so Yeah, you weren't a fan of that, were you? Oh, not a fan at all. Jesus Christ. Samson. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me personally, I'm just going to give two honourable mentions. The one is the Mayu Iwatani and Yoshiko match, Chris. I, I also love that match. Um, the brutality of Yoshiko against just the ragdoll selling of Mayu. I don't think when when Mayu sells like that, I don't think there's anyone better um, at ragdoll selling and making their opponent look like just a behemoth. And Yoshiko like really you, was like that. It is like you put a cheat code in on GTA 5. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just Mayu seemed to lose all sorts of structure to her bones and was just made of rubber. Um, and then what would have been sort of four on my list was Julia versus Starlight Kid from uh, the Valentine's Day special at Corican. Julia working full heel in just going to town on what was at the time 
white meat baby face starlight kid and just destroying kids to the point where it was almost like her own unit well like julia just stop now you're cutting the mask off her face with a pair of scissors what are you doing you know calm down and it was almost an embarrassment from julia because starlight had taken her so far i thought that was magnificent storytelling um but my top three is actually <laughs> Pretty much the same as uh, Matt's. Uh, number three, Suri versus Momo from the five-star final. Pretty much the same reason as Chris. They kick each other very, very hard. Though they are two on this roster that I could watch wrestle for hours, and I'd love it. Um, then number two is actually the Utami and Suri match from Tokyo Dream Cinderella, the one that broke Meltzer's scale. I've got that at number two, and then I've got Stardom Dream Queendom Utami versus Suri as my number one. The reason that tops out for me is there's everything that I loved about the Tokyo Dream match, except this has the added emotion of the Suri um, Redemption arc and the Legacy arc, which was really pushed in this match. Utami's selling of that knee in that final third of the match is absolutely tremendous. And then that visual, that visual that we spoke about, Matt, of... Utami hitting that BT bomb, her knee collapsing, dragging herself over, pinning Suri, and then looking up into the camera to see Suri's hand grabbing that bottom rope. For me, on a personal level, that is up there with the first time New Japan did the Will Ospreay and Ibushi um, landing on the feet off the Frankensteiner. That sort Great of camera angle, yeah, yeah. That the tag, for me, the tag is, match. yeah, that for me, it's on that level of. Um, of brilliant visual. I I thoroughly adored that Stardom Dream Queendom match. Um, But your votes, yours are the ones that count. So in no particular order, the ones that got other votes, the matches that got other votes were as follows. The Hanakamura tribute match from Stardom Dream Queendom. Suri versus Momo from the um, five-star final. Maya versus Yoshiko, Julia versus Starlight Kid, Tam versus Saya Kamatani uh, from the Stardom Dream Queendom show, Utami versus Saya Kamatani from the All Star Dream uh, Cinderella show, um, and Mayu versus Momo Watanabe from the first night of the Five Star. And that's something I just want to quickly say before I announce the top three. The opening two nights of the Five Star were phenomenal this year. I was going through to make the list for the match of the year, and I could have literally put 75% of the matches from night one and night two on there. Absolutely tremendous. They were pay-per-view level, and I know they were actually selling them as pay-per-view, so that makes sense, but even so. So, in third position, with 15% of the votes... We have got Julia versus Tam Nakano, the main event from Budokan, which Stardom have also given us their match of the year. And weirdly, all three of us didn't put in our top threes. So I thought that was quite interesting. It's a weird one in the case of it works really well in the moment. I watched it from a watch list and it's kind of just a car crash. And that's fine. It works for the story there. Telling, but it's sort of like, if you want to recall a specific moment, it's nothing to do with the match itself. It's either to do with, for me, the build or the haircut afterwards. Mm. No, I, I get that. I get that. And a pers- from a personal standpoint, it wasn't the best match on the show. There was, there was other in, better matches on the it wasn't show. Even the top, it wasn't even the top three matches on that show. There you go. I mean, Matt, do you feel the same or 
is it just one that you sort of all the better matches just push it out? I mean, I see your point of view. I thought it was the best match of the show, and a lot of it do with just the emotion of the crowd. Mm, um, yeah. That, at the end of the day, that's what you want to get at the you know. It's important what happens in the ring, but the build was I mean, maybe the second best build match of the entire year. Obviously, behind the uh, main event of Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. but uh, I think just the crowd was so invested, and they so just won and. I think everybody knew how it was going to end. I mean, there was only, you build up, you have to have this payoff. So in that respect, as an in-ring competitor, the best match is the one that gets the crowd. And that one had the crowd from start to finish. So I understand why, one, the fans voted on it. And I understand why Stardom, you know, had it as number one. And I also understand why we didn't have it in the top three. And, hey, that just makes just for a good conversation. You know, it's it's so it doesn't mean that you have to like it just because Stardom had it number one. Or it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to dislike it because we didn't have it. I see everybody's kind of points of view on it, but I understand, hey, that was a match that really, really had the crowd going. And it was a barn burner as well. Matt yeah. is such a nice person. He's amazing, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, you must have breathed a fucking sigh of relief when he came on. <laughs> like, oh, my, oh my God. God gonna be... <laughs> I don't need to argue so often. <laughs> no. I don't argue with anything. If anything's, like, negative or anything, it's just, hey, stop. Life's too short for that, man. Life is just way too short. <laughs> How did he listen to this podcast? <laughs> It's because I'm so unerringly positive. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> and the fact, and the fact that I know maybe when I get ten episodes in, I can ask him, if, you know, how much of a how big of a deal Johnny Saint is over in his country, England. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> Johnny Saint isn't even like the top three world of sports. Let's not get into it. Let's no, just... no, no. Stop it. Stop it, Chris. Moving on. Anyway, let's go on to tag match of the year. So again, I'll. Re- blah, blah, blah really quickly run through all of the options. Uh, Queen's Quest versus Oeletai from Osaka Super Wars 2021. Uh, Stars versus Oeletai from Tokyo Dream Cinderella Special Edition. Um, Konami and Suri versus Maika and Yunagi. Uh, Momo Watanabe and Saeeda versus Arisa Nakajima and Nene Takahashi. Um, Yutami and Izumi versus Suri and Natsupoi from Stardom and Chiba. Queen's Quest versus Oeletai from the year-end climax. Momo AZ from it versus FWC from the Goddess of Stardom Tag League final. Um, Julia and Suri versus Micah and Himika from Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021. Stars versus Donna Del Mondo, the ladder match at Osaka Super Wars. Um, the tag match from Stardom Dream Queendom with Iroha and Iwatani versus Hazuki and Momo. And then finally, Utami and Tam versus Suri and Saya from the year-end meeting. Um, Matt, your top three, if you please. I'm kind of going to go a little off script as well, just because um, there was a lot of tag matches that I kind of watched over the past last month, just getting prepared for this. So my number three is from night one from the uh, the, the tag uh, the tag tournament. Momo and Azumi versus Starlight Kid and Ruaka. I've ended in a time limit draw. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, I believe, was from May, which is the MK Sisters versus Siri and Julia. I really, really enjoyed that. And you can really see how well that they clicked, you know, on the Tokyo Dome this past, uh, you know, just the other night. So yeah. I thought the MK Sisters together were absolutely fantastic. And these four had an absolute banger. And my number one was from the Goddess Final, FWC versus Momo AZ. Um. Okay, um, Chris, what about you? What are your top three? Okay, um, so number three is probably the SLK versus Queen's Quest from that same tour, from uh, the Stars one. 
I think that's just down to me preferring the Queen's Quest members to the Stars members this year, so I just had a better time with it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, there, there was um, the Oedetai Stars tag match where Starlight went to um, Oedetai. Yeah, from Tokyo Dream Cinderella, yeah. Yeah, like tie, um, holding May there, having oh. to watch Starlight fall was like the height of drama. So oh. good. That It was so well done. It was so it, well it, done. It doesn't matter. The rest, the rest of the match was good, but like I don't care about the rest of the match. It's that, <laughs> it's that, that I like. It's that, that emotion like, was what, superb. It's just like fucking somehow Reservoir Dog, not Reservoir Dogs. Imagine Stardom Reservoir. I'm going off topic. You are um, going off topic, one, I wasn't going to pick it, but then you put it on the fucking... You put it on the options, so I- I'm taking it. It's um, Arita Nakajima and... I knew it would be. <laughs> and then it- Takahashi versus um, Saeeda and Momo Watanabe. It was a fucking coming out party for Saeeda, that oh, match. Yeah. Like, she did so well. Um, Momo is a great stoic ace. It's a shame stardom didn't see that. Um, and then you have the seedling wrestlers with Arisa Nakajima just taking unbelievable amounts of joy in hurting Saeed. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and Nene Takahashi being a dick and stealing the bee driver. Yeah. He, she's she's still doing that. She's still just <laughs> doing the bee driver. It's fucking ridiculous. And uh, yeah, as a new fan of Seed, I knew the world's wrestlers going in, which I think really helped it made for a great little dream match and honestly i think it, it, it more than eclipses the um the eventual singles match between momo and nene mostly because most of the best best matches in that also happened in this tag match and it happened here first mm. and it didn't have to follow a 30 minute battle royal <laughs> no that is true that also had kikataro in it um me personally, um, I'm gonna go. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go number three. <clears throat> I'm gonna go Queen's Quest versus Zuelatai, Osaka Super Wars. Um, for pure drama, um, I thought it was tremendous. They took a very predictable result because not one person was watching this thinking that Starlight Kid was going to go to Queen's Quest. Not one person. So everyone sort of watched this with an inevitability of, well, Momo's going then. So, you know, how are they going to make this interesting? And me and me and you, Matt, sort of bandied some ideas about. And to have Momo actually choose to turn on Queen's Quest, the faction she'd been a part of for five years since its inception, and to do it on a Zoomy, her best friend, and to do it, not only on a best friend, but someone who is still a child, effectively, and to watch that person crumble as their best friend leaves and she doesn't know why. Emotional storytelling at its best. It just pips the stars in a weed a tie match from Tokyo Dream. I, I thought that they executed that turn wonderfully. They executed it perfectly. Um, number two for me is the ladder match from Osaka Super Wars. Uh, living proof that just because we have a ladder, we don't have to do ridiculous spots off it all the damn time. Um, the ladder made sense. Um, we had eliminations, which makes every ladder spot make sense. Um, and overall, it was just a very, very fun match. 
And, you know, sometimes that's all I want. But it didn't go out of the realms of being logical either, which was really important. And then number one, the goddess of Stardom Tag League final with Momo Izzy and FWC. I mean, again, you've got Hazuki, Kagame, Azumi, and Momo Watanabe in a ring. How would this ever not be good? And it was absolutely great. And bearing in mind that FWC had already wrestled twice before this match, and Momo Izzy had wrestled... Had they wrestled the match before as well yep. against Blue Marin? So, and you, I, I said this when we reviewed it, like you would be completely forgiven for thinking they would phone this in, and Jesus Christ, they didn't. Like Tag match of the year, you know? uh, absolutely. It it went like the absolute clappers for fifteen minutes. It was such fun to watch, and FWC, of course, came out worthy winners. Um, so yeah, that was my number one as well. So, in no particular order, the Stardom Tag Match of the Year, as voted by you, are as follows. Other votes. Yutami Haishita and Azumi versus Siori and Natsupoi. Queen's Quest versus Oida Tai from Year End Climax. Momo and Sayurida versus Arisa Nakajima and Nene Takahashi. Uh, Stars and Oida Tai from Tokyo Dream. Queen's Quest versus Oeda Tai from Osaka Super Wars. And Konami and Siori versus Micah and Yunagi from the Year End Climax 2021. In third place, with 19% of the votes, is the ladder match between Stars and Donna Del Mondo from Osaka Super Wars. In second place, with 22%, Julia and Suri versus Micah and Himika from Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in spring. I know you weren't a fan, Chris. (laughs) I fucking hate that match. (laughs) And top of the tree, 31%, a runaway winner, uh, Momo Ezeva's FWC, Goddesses of Stardom, Tag League final, night seven. A worthy winner, I would have thought anyone would agree. Let's move on to show of the year then. Uh, These are your options. Uh, Yokohama Cinderella uh, in spring, Osaka Grand Final in Osaka Joe Hall, Tokyo Super Wars, Yokohama Dream Cinderella in summer, uh, Kawasaki Super Wars, the five-star Grand Prix, night one, night two, and night 17. Um, Osaka Super Wars, Dream Queen, pardon me, Stardom Dream Queendom, All-Star Dream Cinderella, and finally Tokyo Dream Cinderella Special Edition. So, Matt, your top three shows of the year, please. Number three for me, I put the Budokan show, uh, just because it's just that's just such a huge deal. Me being a ginormous uh, 90s All Japan fan they ran that venue all the time so obviously we've had other promotions that were in there over the you know past handful of years but i thought that was the show was great you know from top to bottom well maybe not all the matches but just uh just the fact they were in that venue uh that's why i gave it number three number two was the five-star grand prix final obviously we talked uh nausea how great that final was with sherry and momo but even sherry versus takumi uh utami versus tam top to bottom just a great show number one just barely edging it out, uh, Wrestle Queendom at the end of the year. I mean, Stardom had probably one of their best years, if not their best year, and they ended it with one of the best overall wrestling shows in all of wrestling, in my opinion. So, yeah, number one for me is definitely uh, Wrestle Queendom. Chris, what about you? Hmm, so, I'm hmm, I'm struggling for number three, mostly because it comes down to what you leave off rather than yeah. what you put on. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go at number three with they're all number three. Um, number two, <laughs> there have been some tremendous shows this year. Number two 
is um, Night One of the Five Star. Mm. That was just straight up really good, really fun night of wrestling. I watched it with um listener of the podcast Bell Kedge, who is a very excitable person. <laughs> like <laughs> yes, yes. He, he, I remember once I was doing a stream, it was me, him, and Forrest Silver. And me and Forrest were just talking about Ring of Honor while he was watching fucking Ajakong versus um Kiaru having the like the time of his life. <laughs> just amazing. loves it. Yeah, no, he's very easy to impress Batman. Um which celebrates the whole thing for me, but also like it's probably the best on like best objective card of the year because like nothing missed apart from maybe Koguma versus Death, but that's mostly because the joke went on too long. Mm, yeah, it um, did. And then number one's Budokan. Like, me and Rob said this at the time Wrestle Kingdom last year and also this year kind of missed the sense of occasion. Mm. It it felt like going through emotions. There was a, like, WrestleMania's had this problem recently as well, where like we've the product hasn't quite been hot enough to go in to really make you excited. But this being started running this legendary venue for the first time at a time where the product was decent, it was just this great sense of occasion. It's not a perfect card by any means. I mean, that fucking Battle Royal can get in the pin. <laughs> Although, my favorite part of that is Emi Sakura sneaking the entire <laughs> roster read that of... afterwards yeah <laughs> like she didn't tell anyone she just snuck the fucking roster of chucker pro onto the ramp why not love... if you can why not yeah it's like what are you gonna do shout at emi sakura um and but like every match after that delivered the momo um nene match was great the um Meishika match was amazing the saya utami match over delivered um, and then the main event was exactly what you'd want it to be for a hot feud. So I have, it was a very good show. It was a very strong show. I also got to watch it live. That never happened before then for starters. <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Pay £50 for a pay per view? No, I'm getting Samurai TV. Um, for me, um, ah, I, I really want to put Osaka Super Wars on there simply because they ran Eddie and Arena Osaka without a single singles match and it was a great show. Um, but I can't in all good faith leave off some of the five-star Grand Prix nights because as I've already said, um, this year's five-star Grand Prix felt fantastic, especially the three nights that we've got on there, one, two, and 17 were fantastic nights. Um, but for me, night, night 17 of the five-star Grand Prix, the final, um, from top to bottom, absolute bangers. Um, Matt's already mentioned them. I'm not going to mention them again, but that final is an absolutely sensational match, a truly, truly sensational match. Um, second, I'm going to put All-Star Dream Cinderella and Budokan. Um, all of the reasons, Chris, um, labelled. Not only the fact that, you know, the matches were all great, more or less, apart from the Battle Royal, <laughs> but the fact that it was Budokan Hall, the first Joshi promotion to run it since 1995, to then draw, you know, 3,000 and some, you know, 3,318 people, I think, was the recorded attendance. To do that and to top it off in the way that it was topped off with that um, hair versus hair match, it really did feel the way I felt about Wrestle Kingdom 11 and 12 and 13 
it was it was that sort of same excitement and any show that can get me that excited deserves to be on this list and that's exactly the reason why at number one i've got stardom dream queendom um i had covid watching this i was ill with covid watching this and i still love this show i couldn't stay awake and i still love this show it's got you know two of my matches Are you, sure you didn't dream half this show if you couldn't stay awake maybe maybe i did maybe like, i did didn't you didn't you wonder why super mario was fighting <laughs> you <Tommy? laughs> mayu cashed in right that happened um but yeah oh, stephanie <laughs> stephanie mcmahon was under the momo mask <laughs> oh, oh yeah she created women she's everywhere she did welcome to the queendom um but yes yeah the show's named after her <laughs> um that fit that one two main events of Saya versus Tam was tremendous. Utami versus Siori, I've already waxed lyrical about why that's my match of the year. Um, the only match for me that really missed on that entire card was the tag match third from the top. Um, and that's that's more, I think, poor execution than anything else. I can see what they were trying to do with the Momo attacking Hazuki, but it just it fell a little bit flat for me. Um, By the way, that as someone who's been on and off with Stardom in the last three months, mm-hmm. the fact the fact that Momo mask people have been attacking is really confusing because I'll go on Twitter <laughs> and it's like Momo attack someone. I'm like, well, that's shocking. It's like no, no, no the mask. It's like, oh, fucking hell, they the shit on me that mask. I don't like those masks. No, they are grotesque. They're horrible. Um, and something that I haven't mentioned from Dream Queendom is the Anakamura tribute match, which, as you know. I spoke about it on our review. Like I loved it from from an emotional standpoint. This hit and resonated so much, and it was perfect, absolutely perfect for what it was trying to do. And both women tried to sock the living shit out of each other, which I absolutely love. Um, anyway, it's not about me though. It's about the public. What did the public vote? Well, in no particular order, in the others category, we had night 17 of the five-star Grand Prix, Osaka Super Wars, uh, five-star Grand Prix nights one and two, Kawasaki Super Wars 2021, which was the one headlined by Utami versus Suzuki, Hidden Gem, by the way, go and watch that again, um, and then Yokohama Dream Cinderella 2021 in summer also got votes. Top three then in third place with 13% of the votes is Tokyo Dream Cinderella 2021 Special Edition. Bless you. Number, 20, number two, with 22% of the votes was All-Star Dream Cinderella from Budokan Hall, which of course leaves in first place the runaway victor with almost half the votes, 48% of the votes, Stardom Dream Queendom 2021 from Sumo Hall. Um, none of us mentioned Tokyo Dream Cinderella as our top three um, show of the year. I don't think that's doing any dis... <laughs> that's not because we didn't enjoy Tokyo Dream Cinderella. I just think there have been some absolutely stellar cards and stellar matches being put on by Stardom, to be perfectly honest. It was Tokyo, Tokyo Dream Cinderella last one with Utami and... Uh... It's Utami Suri in the main event. It's uh-huh. um, the Stars Oeditai that... Um, we both loved. Um, I can't remember who Tam fought for the white belt in that match. In that, that would have been. Would no, that wouldn't be the Natsupoi one. That would be no. no. Tam didn't fight for white belt on that one. I remember that being a problem at the time because she didn't defend the belt for like three months. Ah, uh, yes, no, she was in uh, the artist belts. That's why. Because because uh, Itami versus Shiri was the show with the Cinderella finals. 
Of yeah. course, that's the that was the semi main. See, see, also the fact that we couldn't remember half his card kind of shows why I didn't remember. Half of the year. <laughs> uh, starting as most improved wrestler of the year, twenty twenty one. Matt, your top three, please. I know everybody's gonna make fun of me, but I gotta put I gotta put Lady C on there, number three. Uh, Mate, I, I don't and, blame you. She, hey, she's Lady C is so popular. I haven't been in that Discord. I'm not in that Discord and the Stardomcast Discord now because people just get annoyed with me not liking Stardom. But um, the Stardomcast Discord fucking love. Well, I've gone on why I've gone on why I like her. I mean, she, her work ethic. I'm all about work ethic, and and now she's a part of Queen's Quest, so uh, that's gonna be interesting to see. She's also my, very tall. Yes. All right. My one and two, I have flip-flopped four times in the last five weeks, and I just flip-flopped it again after what I thought Wrestle Kingdom. So number two is uh, Saya Kamatani, and number one is Starlight Kid. Yep. Can't, can't fold that. Um, Chris? Okay. Number three is Saya Kamatani. Yeah. keep forgetting the two Sayas. Um, she, she can drown in big matches sometimes. Um, she's had three big matches this year. In, t- in the sense of t- big title matches, she did well with Tammy. She did fine with Tam at Queendom. Me, me, me and you have talked about this a lot. She drowned against Tam in their first match for me. Mm, yeah. Um, but partly because, like, part of that was the expectations for her. But also, she had a solid Cinderella. She had a solid enough five star. She's improved. She's not quite there yet. She could be. She stands out in stardom because we don't really have spot monkeys. <laughs> so she she fills a niche. She'll get. She'll probably get better if stardom like put her in a position where she can still grow. So I, I I've like I've enjoyed her this year. Um, two. This is gonna seem weird, but like Ruaka. No, it doesn't seem weird at all. Because she's went from she's basically become a mini Torah, and that's just kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, she had re- some really good stuff in the five star. I liked, I I, I remember liking that Takumi match, but mostly because I like seeing teenagers suffer. <laughs> as, as as an uncle, I have like undying disdain for the younger generation. <laughs> um, and then number one is Starlight Kid because every single issue me and you had with her last year is basically gone now. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't really have a mean streak. She definitely has a mean streak now. Weak looking offense. Nah, no real kill moves. Well, she has kill moves now. Um, and then giving out a um, honorable mention, it would go to Mina Shirakawa because she went from dog shit to watchable. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, my personal top three. Um, number three, Mina Shirakawa. Um, I think I'm I'm gonna completely rip off what you said on Twitter, Chris, and I do say this often. Um we've now got to stop saying, oh, that's good for a Mina match and just accept that Mina can put on good matches. Um, Her ability to have different matches as well. I mean, depending on who you talk to, it was was fairly divisive, their match at Tokyo Super Wars, her and Tam, but her idea to bring in storytelling and things like that, I think she should be commended for that, to be perfectly honest. And she can't help the botch that caused her to, you know, end up being concussed or whatever. So... Ultimately, I think she's done a tremendous job this year. She's really built on that tag league um, team with Tam, and ultimately, I think she's improved massively. Number two, Starlight Kid, I think, again, has had an absolutely phenomenal year. Um, She's 
proved that she can wrestle in an absolute range of different guises. You know, why meet Babyface against the likes of Julia to heal against the likes of Momo Watanabe, Kaguma, Azumi, people like that. Um, and then she's just put on an absolute banger with absolutely no build at Wrestle Kingdom for Air 16. So honestly wouldn't surprise me if she's one of the top stars of the company come this time next year and then number one i did not think i'd be saying this at the start of the year but you nagi sayaka um, i knew he was gonna say that i, I yeah. knew he was gonna <laughs> say that rob goodwin is known to be on crack yeah so. <laughs> honestly um it, it's well publicized how much i dislike you nagi well, disliked, shall we say. I don't not like her. But initially, I the push that she was given was completely at odds with what she was doing in the ring. I feel like Stardom did a very few favours early on by putting her into positions she was not ready for. Um, and ultimately, Chris, you spoke about Saya's five-star, and we talked about how Kogama's five-star built her back up so to speak, or helped her improve. I think the five-star was an absolute blessing in disguise for Yanagi because since then she's gone from strength to strength. She's always had the charisma of a star, but that first white belt match where she had, um, I think it was at Kawasaki Super Wars against Tam, and she came out, she had the samurai sword, and she sort of strode down to the ring with this charisma. It's the first time that I've looked at Yanagi and thought, ah, I can see what the stardom higher-ups are actually thinking about now with this. She she looks and feels like a star. And her matches have progressively got a lot better. One huge thing that me and Chris had issue with at the start of the year was her offense. She just simply did not have the moveset. And when she did, it wasn't connecting properly. It felt like the five moves of Doom almost, but worse. Um, but she's improved that. She's constantly adapting a moveset. And she's getting pushed a correct amount, in my opinion now. She's improved massively from where she was at the start of the year. And my own personal enjoyment of her has improved, which is, if anything, why I've given her the most improved wrestler. I don't feel like there's anything else I can say about it. But her, there we go. Her, she's much better having her handheld through matches. <laughs> now, I don't I don't th- I don't think she'd ever let her bleed a match right now, because Well, I mean and, and that can change. Look what you guys thought, you know. That's true. Oh, no, she can, def- ago, she can you know definitely I mean? get better. Yeah. Every, she's still, she's only just finished technically being a rookie. Yeah, definitely. So, so it's a case of like every wrestler goes through a stage where their hand has to be held. That's not a slight on Unagi. I think um, the overpush in the start of the year really didn't help her. Like being thrown into a twenty-minute draw. A half, no, it wasn't a half. No, it's no, it's just a twenty. Plus minute match with Shiri. Um seven, a few time limit draws as part of Cosmic Angels. It's sort of like giving her way too much too fast, and that's not like a deserving it thing, but I say she physically can't do this. Yeah. Thing. She doesn't have enough time to fill that runtime. Um she has gotten better. She somehow wasn't the worst match of Tam's reign. I'm looking at you, mate. Um <laughs> She's definitely improved. Massive. I wouldn't say she I wouldn't say she's the most improved, but again, you're historically on crack. So. <laughs> well, you say that. Let's have a look at what the public thought. Um, the public are historically on crack. <laughs> are the others 
under votes are as follows. Uh, Sayurida, Utami Hayashishta, Momo, Azumi, and Natsupoi have all registered votes. Maika, Mina Shirakawa, and Lady C as well. In third place, we have Starlight Kid. In second place, with 18% of the vote, is last year's most improved wrestler, Saya Kamatani. And with 28% of the vote, yes, you people know what is right. Yunagi Sayaka is our most improved wrestler of the year. So that'll make Chris very, very happy. Um, For the last three lads, then, we're not going to go through our top three simply because there's not enough options. So we're just going to give our one and then we'll go through the top three for each one. So Feud of the Year 2021, we've got Stars versus Cosmic Angels, Mayu versus Tam, Starlight versus Momo, Stars versus Oedetai, Julia versus Tam, and Utami versus Suri. Uh, Matt, what is your Feud of the Year, and why is it Utami versus Suri? Well, no, number three is Momo versus Starlight Kid, just what it led to and probably one of the greatest double countouts in the last 10 years. Tam versus Julia for obvious reasons. And yes, Siri and Utami <laughs> is number, Siri versus Utami is number one. And just to give you the reason why, I mean, I don't really have to give a reason why is my favorite. I love everything about wrestling, but my favorite thing is what happens bell to bell. I don't need a crazy storyline. Obviously we had a great storyline with Tam and Julia, but my thing is it's just, who's better. It's just, who is better? Like my favorite foods in wrestling are, Steamboat versus Flair, Masawa versus Kawada, Masawa versus Kabashi, Okada versus Tanahashi, uh, Danielson versus McGinnis. And there's no crazy storyline going into it. It's just let's have a let's have a banger of a match and give the fans their money's worth. So that's why Siri and Utami is my number one, is just because that's what their trilogy of matches this past year reminded me of. And I hope we get a lot more of that. Absolutely. Um Chris, feud of the year for you. Um, it's not Shuri versus Utami. I didn't um, think it I, would be for you. I already know it's going to be the fucking winner, so I thought I'd get ahead of that. For me, it's not Shuri versus Utami. It's um, it's Stars versus Oedetai. Mm. Um, the drama was really good there, and the drama was mostly contained bell to bell. So that's real good. It's not. I wouldn't call any match in the feud essential by any means. But from continued enjoyment and also continued um, just improvement as the Wadatai got better throughout the year, it was great to it was just great to see. And like they also were working like at the time they were the two most anemic factions in Stardom. <laughs> they were <laughs> like Stars lost Saida and Jungle at the start of the year, and then Wadatai just didn't have a lot of people. They lost B as well. So we weren't so so we were working with Tina. Like Stars had to bring in Rin Katakora for Marvelous to have a full team. Mm. So like they were we did the best with we did really, really well with what they had as well. They weren't like gifted this amazing feud on a silver platter. We actually had to put effort in to make it work. So I just kind of appreciate that. Mm. Like I, just from a mechanical standpoint, they've taken, um, they've taken sort of water and turned it into cause light. Like it's not the most <laughs> ideal. It's not the most ideal beer, but you know what? It's gonna do. It does. It do. 
I'll be honest. I've actually I mentioned the same thing. Waters and Coors Light's like the same thing. <laughs> could be worse. It could be fucking Bud Light. Oh, oh yeah. my god. It's, that's basically piss with alcohol content. Um, anyway, Stars vs. the Weather Time I've actually talked about on the podcast before you came on, Chris, simply because it's almost single-handedly responsible for rehabbing a weather tie. Um, it was it was the drama that Oedetai needed to actually give them direction to help us to start That's to actually appreciate them. That's the problem with Oedetai before. It was chaos with no purpose. Exactly. It was chaos for chaos's sake, which meant that nothing made sense, which just drove people's um, interest in them to an all-time low, um, which is a real shame because ultimately, come June, July, they were fantastic again. And I just, my only, only wish is that Natsuka Tora managed to see out to the end of the year. But obviously, you know, she can't help being injured, and it was My so wish innocuous. is that Natsuka Tora beats beat Utami and then hung everyone. We genuinely thought that that was going to be a thing, do you remember? Um, that would have been fucking incredible. I'd still be on this podcast if I'd <laughs> You think you would be. Um, Utami <laughs> versus Suri is my feud of the year as well. Um, it, I don't feel like I need to justify it, really. It's a feud that has been built fantastically well for the entirety of the year. It's been culminated by two absolute bangers. Um, you know, people often forget that they had a time limit draw in the five star as well, which was a very, very good match, not on par with the two at Tokyo Dream and Queendom, but even so, a really good match. That's my favorite of the series. <laughs> I know, I, I know it's your favorite. Um, but ultimately, it's a feud that has put stardom they on. Had a ma- they also had a match in the Cinderella, didn't they? Um. Yes. Yes, they did. I'm not going to count that because it was about seven minutes. Um. But it's there. It's seven, there as can, part of the feud. You can, do, you can do a lot in seven minutes. Absolutely. You, abs- I'm not going to say. How you, it's about. It's about how you use the time given to you. <laughs> maximize your minutes. What do we maximize, always say? Max, maximize your mi- <laughs> minutes. You know. No. Not everyone likes a long, like a long drawn out thing. Some people like it to be concise, quick. Come on. Move on to the next one. <laughs> um, so, feud of the year. Um, in third place, um, the public have voted with 9% of the vote, Stars versus Oedetai. In taste, second man. place, 22% of the vote, Julia versus Tam Nakano. And 58% of the vote, a whopping 58% of the vote, Utami Hayashista versus Suri. Um, we move on then. Second to last category, stardom moment of the year. Um, again, categories, stardom running Budokan, stardom running Sumo Hall, Saya's win of the Cinderella, Siori winning the five-star, Tai taking Starlight Kid, Konami going on hiatus, forward slash the Hanakamura tribute match, Julia getting a head shaved, Momo turning on Queen's Quest, and Hazuki's return. Um, Matt, your uh... number three is. I'm sorry. No, yeah. uh, my number, my number, my number three is actually not on the list. But I have just the buzz that the uh, the first Shiri versus Utami match uh, had. Just not only for stardom, just for wrestling in general. Like really changed their changed their business dynamic. It really changed them, obviously, for the better. So I put that number three, number two, stardom running Budokan, and number one, Momo joining Oedo Tai. Yeah. Um. Chris, what about you? May I just quickly comment on how weird putting Julia and Tam 
on there is just because we didn't get to see that because we had to rush out of Budokan because someone went over. I know. Annoying. But never mind. <laughs> um, for me, it's um, Sardom running Budokan. Like I said earlier, it just had that sense of occasion that Wrestle Kingdoms and WrestleManias just didn't have for me at that point. So it was just really nice to see. Also, I just really like the nip on Budokan. Yeah. It's, it's a lovely just, venue. It's, it's just a lovely building. Did you see this fucking set from the Noah show? I did. It's fuck it, it was fucking insane. Incredible. It was beautiful. I'm going to go a little bit out of left field. Uh, I'm going to say Hazuki's okay. return. Um, simply because even after the Hanakamura tribute show, I didn't think I would ever see Hazuki wrestle in a stardom ring again. The, the cloud surrounding her original um, departure... I just didn't think I'd ever see it again. And she was in ring one of the best things about stardom. So to see that happen again and to see her come back like she hasn't missed a beat as well, phenomenal. And I've I'm so happy she's Hizuki. back. I've got a question about Hizuki come back. Yes. Has she addressed why she my jungle attacked her in her retirement yet? It's all sort no. of smoke mirrors. It hasn't been directly addressed. Um however, there is Strong. I can't help but notice a direct I can't help but notice a direct correlation of her joining stars and jungle leave. Yes. Yeah, that was that's the correlation that people have picked up on. Um I imagine a shame. it is a shame. It's a hundred percent. But we we don't know. You know, I mean obviously we don't you can speculate in internet rumors or whatever, but uh obviously there's there's real heat there, you know, and that's it's just a shame that talent like Jungle Kiona left because Suzuki came in. You know, hopefully somewhere down the line, cooler heads can prevail and we can get Jungle back into stardom. I want Jungle to go to Gleet. <laughs> I think she'd suit well so in Gleet. She, so, she, so she can shoot fight. <laughs> no, I, I just, that's just my default thing now. I want people, cause some, people to cause go some, to Gleet. Yeah, because some fucker ruined my running bit of pretending Gleet doesn't exist. So now I have to lean into it. I'd like so. to wrestle on Gleet, by the way, if anybody wants to book me for, you know, wrestling <laughs> Gleet. If anyone I'd wants like... to book Matt Turner, you know, just go... Just send, just send his payment to chrisabryan at gmail.com. Yeah, you'd be my handler. I'll give you 15%. <laughs> and then Rob can ship me a whole bunch of books and then I'll sell them at my oh, gimmick table. See, <laughs> why, why did we not think of this earlier? Uh, Started moment of the year then, as voted for by the public. We have, in no particular order, that have had other votes. Konami going on hiatus, the Hanakamura tribute match, Awidatai taking Starlight Kid, Siori winning the five-star, Stardom running Sumo Hall, Stardom running Budokan, and Saya winning the Cinderella tournament. In third place, with 16%, is Hazuki's return. In second place, with 19%, was Julia getting her head shaved. And 25% of the vote was Momo Watanabe turning on Queen's Quest. Final one then. Final um, category and one that probably should take the least amount of time since there's only five. Um, we have got our faction of the year. Donna Del Mondo, Cosmic Angels, Queen's Quest, Awedatai, Stars. Pick one. Matt, who is your faction of the year? You know what? It's you can literally make an argument for any one of these groups, but I would have to go with Queen's Quest just from a work rate standpoint. Uh, I'm gonna obviously I'm including Momo in there because she was a part of Queen's Quest up until about seven days before the year. But all four of these, you can put them in a, a six person, an eight person, a tag, any one of them in a main event, and it just works. So to me, it's Queen's Quest all the way. Uh, Chris, this is actually an interesting because you look at them and so it's like DDM is sort of like the popularity pick. 
um, they're sort of like if you're making any sort of comparison, they're like an LAJ or a Congo, where everyone has a different favorite member. Mm. Yeah, they're the prettiest girl at the dance right now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, Stars is not in contention because they barely exist anymore. Yeah, mm. May Watani, so that's always it's always <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? I'm a... But like, so like, does that really make them a good faction, or do you just like me? <laughs> um... I, I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Queen's Quest, as Matt said, are probably the most consistently good good wrestlers to watch. Like, there's no duds really in Queen's Quest. At least ha- has it existed throughout the year. Like Momo, best wrestler of the year, obviously. Um, Utami, who had the monster run as the champion. Azumi, who was very good at getting kicked out of the air, and I respect that. <laughs> um, and um. I've blanked on who I've said so far. Fuck. You've uh, missed Sayakamatani. She's the only one left. Oh, and Sayakamatani, who me forgetting it says all you need to know. Um, and then you have um, Cosmic Angels, who, again, Mina and Unagi have improved, but like, do you like Cosmic Angels or do you just like Tam? I think that's another case there. But no, nah, I think it's a word tie. They improved so much. Like, at the start of this year, me and Rob wish they would fuck off. True, one hundred percent. Like that, um, that Tora Julia match should go into a should go into a fucking museum for matches. I was disappointed by that. I really shouldn't have been disappointed by. <laughs> um, but then, like, they got a purpose. They got an end goal. Tora stopped using the chain, <laughs> which helped a lot because the, she overused that gimmick a lot. It was like. Uh, Hangman Page's moonsault at the start of AEW where he was using it every week and it means when she comes back and starts using the chain again it's going to be a big deal like when Hangman pulled out the moonsault in the Brian match after not putting it out for a while so mm. and then looks like the addition of Starlight Kid was really good they gained a clown which you know they won despite that so good for them um they did lose B but they became closer as a unit um, Saki Kashima is probably the unsung hero of stardom this year. She knocks out the park every time she gets an opportunity. Um, she's also something very different in stardom. You don't she, like she's the most sneaky and um, nickel and dime of heels in stardom. So every time you go against her, it's like it's sort of like why I enjoy the RH pure stuff. It's a styles thing. The way she clashes with people is very different and makes for something interesting. Um, and then Momo joining at the end of the year only makes the faction better. So, yeah, I'm I, I, I decide just in t- terms of like an investment of a product standpoint, I think it's the best one. We also sort of have the most complete feuds because, mm. like, Cosmic Angels and Stars, that feud just kind of got dropped and then picked up again, and it stank, so we dropped it again. <laughs> I. Okay, so stars have struggled because not only have they had a revolving door of members, they've struggled massively with injury. Like, they had Jungle Kiona on board and then Jungle went down with a severe injury and then ultimately never came back. Had Jungle come back and the stars faction at the end of this year been Mayu, Starlight, um, Jungle, Sayurida, Hazuki and Kagama, you're looking at an easy win for the year. But, you know stuff that stars can't control unfortunately has happened but i'd argue that the return of hazuki has stopped this being the worst year ever for stars and just put it as 
a meh. Is Sayurida back yet? Not yet, no. Not yet, no. No, there's no Tora, no Sayurida yet. Um, But, again, I think the tail end of the year, um, Hannon winning the Future of Stardom belt, um, the Goddess of Stardom Tag League win for FWC, just about turns their year round where it was in danger of crashing to earth wreathed in hellfire um for me it's queen's quest um it was between them and donna del mondo for me though i appreciate the year cosmic angels have had um queen's quest exactly the same reason as matt actually weirdly you can make a tag team match of any four of those members in any team and they will knock it out of the park they're they're quite often my favorite interfaction fights are between members of queen's quest because they just let loose at one another and each of them are established stars that to be honest i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy watching on a regular basis yeah when you wrestle your own friends you're uh, you're allowed to hit each other you, you don't need to apologize. You just make sure you pick up their uh, their bar tab afterwards. Well, I'm assuming that's why Izumi kicked Momo so fucking hard in the face <laughs> on the on the third. Um, yeah, I, I assume Momo it's didn't happen. care. Things can happen at the singles match, you know. <laughs> oh boy. Well, in fifth place, with zero percent of the vote is Stars, which ironically is the most Mayu thing to happen in the uh, entire award ballot. I think. Um, uh, how dare you! <laughs> in fourth position, with sixteen percent of the vote, is Oedatai. In second place, with eighteen percent of the vote, is Cosmic Angels. With twenty-four percent of the vote in second place, it is Queen's Quest, which means that with 42% of the vote and for the second consecutive year Donna Del Mondo are the Stardom Cast official faction of the year 2021 thank you to everybody that voted and again gave us the time of day we we really do appreciate it and we'll be bringing those back again next year apart from you Belfetch and that's the end of the podcast thank you so much for listening guys we really 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 do appreciate it myself and Matt will be back on our Patreon on the 19th of January to review Tam Nakano versus Orisa Hashiki in detail so if you aren't already a part of our Patreon go and check it out patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast and you can go and check out our review of Io Shirai's V14 uh, reign with the red belt um go and check us out on twitter at, at the stardom cast the facebook page at the stardom cast you can go and check out the website www.podmania.co.uk subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts uh matt where can they find you on social media my man you can find me just search matt turner of on instagram and on twitter any questions comments um feel free to hit me up always appreciate the support uh, Chris O'Brien, where can they find you? Crying in the corner. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Um, again, one last plug. Uh, the Stardom ebook, Living the Dream, is out now on Amazon and Lulu and other places that sell ebooks. Please, it would mean the world if you could go and check it out. Um, but yeah, until next time, guys. Thank you, Chris, for coming back for this episode. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.